and welcome to Point of Origin, episode 29, the podcast where Daniel was kind of right, but at what cost? <laughs> but at what cost? Yeah, I, I did love that line. I'm sorry, I wanted it to be something wonderful. And I was like, honey, <laughs> he's, oh, yeah, we, we talk about Daniel being a sociopath a lot lately, because he's been showing it a lot in season two. This but is one of those conviction things. Yeah. People have conviction regardless of their potential sociopathy. Yeah, and also, like, he's got a real, you know, dedicated fascination to other cultures and, like, the histories and, like, he's yeah. an archaeologist, anthropologist, like, he's got that investment. Oh, yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong. It's, it's funny. This is gonna be such an early ding-ding-ding. I'm not even kidding, because Farscape time... <laughs> This is actually one of my favorite things about Farscape. It's my it's it's like their first episode. I'm sorry, technically it's their second episode, but you know, like the pilot is the pilot, right? That just establishes the show. Yeah. The first episode is what like actually kind of gets the show moving, like story wise. Like, yeah, now we know where we are and who we are, but let's go do shit. And what I love is, God, seriously, Ben Browder was the perfect pick for this. He just he portrays it so well. I remember it so clearly years later because he instilled something in me with this line that I echo to this day. Because he's still like in his flight uniform because that's all he has. Uh-huh. And they're on their first planet um, that they've gone to since the whole premise started. Yeah. And he, it's a commerce planet, and it's great because he just, I, I told you this before already. I've, yeah. already. I've already told a story, I know. I've probably seen all of Farscape yeah. Jeffs from your uh, right. stories. Right. But this just, it, this scene kills me because he's there in the commerce planet, and he's looking around, and he looks up and goes, and everyone's just on their you know, way because they've been here, and this is an everyday thing for them, and he just goes, I'm on another planet. And he's just, like, so excited, but also just, like, quiet wonder, like, mm-hmm. holy shit, dude. <laughs> like, almost like a stoner, uh, uh, oh my god, um. Why don't you want to say kayak? No. Kayak? Surfer. <laughs> Not a kayak. Anywho, I just, Daniel reminds me of that kind of feeling behind it. Yeah. Little things. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Mel. And I'm Liz. <laughs> hey, you know what took us three minutes? Yeah. Took a longer. No, I think at this point we've pretty much uh, made a name for ourselves. Um, Not naming ourselves? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, that's very um, appropriate for our contrary natures. It's funny because this episode, you and I both, we were like, what episode is this? I don't fucking know. To be fair, I didn't know. I, I vaguely remembered it, but I just remembered it being that episode that's like really dark for a while. Like dark, literally, like yeah. dark screen for yeah. a while. And it's kind of like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> eh. Right, but also, I, I just didn't appreciate the gravitas of this one as much, I guess, as a kid. Plus, it was kind of like just, it was a, it was a good old-fashioned sci-fi episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, it really is, yeah. And that's not something I hadn't seen a million times already before by that time I watched it. So it's just kind of like, it wasn't bad. <laughs> but no, I remember just no, being, no. I just remember it being like a, a, like a, okay episode, like, it's all right, it's cool. I was wrong. It's actually really good. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I like... I, I always remember this episode existing and it being a good episode. Oh, we should probably mention why we're already talking about it as if we've seen it. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so we... We tried something new today because sometimes we get so freaking sidetracked watching the episode together that it takes... We, like, start recording usually around, like, 2 or 3 p.m. on a good day and sometimes we won't get to... 
back to recording after watching an episode, and sometimes, like, we're cooking or something like that, yeah. so sometimes there's a reason, but for the most part, there isn't a reason, and we'll come back to it, like, four fucking hours later, so... That was a big problem with the, yeah, the that, gamekeeper. <laughs> yeah, that needed to stop. Just, like, we wanted to experiment with this. We, uh, we went ahead and, um, as much as I did miss out on watching the DVD, because sometimes Showtime does have new, does have different yeah. stuff, I did look it up. This is not on any included list that I could find of an episode that has, like, a discernible mm-hmm. difference. That being said, I did find something else out that I need to tell you about in a minute. Okay. I do want to say, though, on that topic of the watching something on DVD versus um, on, like, the streaming yeah. or whatever, I still remember way back when you were starting to watch Supernatural. You bring this up every time, yeah! Because, because it's you're like, so no, 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 turn off Netflix. Well, I also thought about it because of the fact that you were recently talking about Supernatural ending, and I'm like, man, I remember you on season two, oh, and yeah. me having to lay down the law with you. Where you started to watch the uh, Skinwalker episode, and I was like, absolutely not turn this off right now. I have season two DVD. You have to watch it on DVD because they could not get Inagata DeVita licensed for streaming. Yeah. And the replacement song is garbage. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, if you don't watch it with Inagata DeVita, it's not worth watching. But yeah, so we, uh, we watched it ahead of time because of all of our usual antics. Yeah, just so, uh, honestly, part of it is because I wanted to have more time for us to look at emails, look at yeah, no. uh, the Twitter, try and hone in on, like, uh, just, like, smoothing out the podcast edges. Editing? No. Um, a lot of time for us to be able to talk about what we're doing with the podcast instead of just recording for the podcast. I do love that we can't see my facial expressions while I'm just sitting here going just through the mirror. Waiting for me to figure out what word I have lost. <laughs> my eyebrows went through every iteration there was. There yeah. just what's and I, I, I still never found my word. But I feel fine. that pain though. One thing. I'm going to just very quickly push these off. I was trying to do it quietly, but I'm not quiet in any way, shape, or form. This just isn't how I roll. Alright, so yeah, uh, today's episode is, um, season two, episode seven, I believe. Let me just double check that. Yeah, season two, episode seven, Message in a Bottle, and it was, uh, written by, okay, this is another one where it's got, like, three credits for the written. Uh, the story is by Michael Greenberg and Jared Paul, who I don't recognize at all. Yeah, no. Um, and the teleplay is by Brad Wright. Oh, cool. Now that almost explains why this is a good episode. Just because, like, it's actually, like I said, it's a very good sci-fi episode. Yeah. So it's, I can feel Brad Wright in there. That's a weird thing. I think, um, but yeah, honestly, honestly, I think uh, that does make sense because it's, it's got, like, that solid base for Brad Wright because he did the teleplay. Yeah. But the story is by, like, two new people, which is why there is, like, a new atmosphere to this episode compared to other episodes we've had. Yeah, sorry. I'm just keeping an eye on the uh, on the recording because like I missed all those bumps that were happening yeah. last time. But we had the microphone. Set. We have the new <laughs> microphone, and so not only do we have the new microphone, but now we have it set up correctly, <laughs> which is even better because it turns out it wasn't. Listen, that's almost entirely don't my fault. To us for a professional setup. That's <laughs> almost entirely my fault. I don't want to set it up, and I was just like, "Yeah, this looks and right." And I just trusted you for my other podcast. <laughs> you I was cool. like, "Yeah, no. this is the right way." Hey, good news is it didn't fuck up your other podcast you were using. Uh, before, I did so. still get like one or two clicks and hums. Oh, that's gonna happen no matter what. 
Yeah. But, but yes, I'm just keeping an eye on just Vince. Like, yeah, it looks so much nicer now without these little, like, Yeah. Sorry. We are on episode 29 of this podcast, right? So I've done this for a while now at this point. I stumbled over introducing myself last week. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this isn't like I haven't done this 29 times before now. God, I almost want to do, like, a sweepstakes someday where, like, we'll, like, auction off a picture of us that people wouldn't want anyway, but the point <laughs> is that it'd be great. But, like, a picture of us, if anyone can, like, some, some, you know, some prize to whoever could figure out which episode. I, I won't give any hints then in case this happens, but there was an episode in the last two seasons of so much content we've done where remember we had to edit in us introducing ourselves in the, in the beginning. Yes. <laughs> I had to edit that, and I had to, I was listening at the end, and I went, oh, there it is, finally. <laughs> I took it, grabbed it, put it back in the beginning where it belonged, and we introduced ourselves almost flawlessly because of it. But you didn't yes. even notice, I didn't tell you which one it was. And well, no, because I remember when we were recording, and we got to the end of the recording, and then we stopped and looked at each other. And I went, and did went, we introduce ourselves? <laughs> I don't think we introduced ourselves. here clearly yeah no no somebody just asked us if we're uh, this is our first if this is our uh if we've done other podcasts before and god man that is such a compliment because fuck no we are no. so inexperienced oh my god that's why half of our episodes have like the worst audio quality is because it turns out there was some fucking hum going on in the background and i'm still an amateur you know i've only done this for so long so every now and then this shit happens and i'm like Dude, I only have so much tech to work with yeah. here, I can't eliminate this hum, so we're just gonna sound like a tin man and his worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. yeah. But, no, thank you. Thank you for uh, thinking that we have done this before. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just that I listen to a lot of podcasts, which is why we started this in the first place. Yeah, just because... listen to a lot of them, and I don't sound too terrible. Because we both... Bonded over Stargate to begin with. Yep. It's literally how our friendship started. And I've been wanting to do a podcast for, gosh, probably about two years now. <laughs> because that's how I get through my work day. All right. Maybe she can talk about this. So, uh, yeah. The director is a director we actually recognized for this oh, episode. Yeah? David Gory Smith. Oh, shit. Wait, I feel like we didn't like him. I feel like he was... Okay. Wait, no, okay, so here's the thing. I know Garrity is now somebody we're like, eh, on, but Wary... No, Wary Smith didn't need. He Sorry. had good shots. Right, right, right. I remember this now. I remember making a stupid pun about needing not needing to be wary of Wary. He also did Within the Serpent's Grasp. Sorry. I just made myself laugh again over and the same there, stupid the grace joke. of God. Cool. Yeah, he's so a, he's good. He's a good solid. He's good. I, I, that's right. I will, not, I will remember from now on not to be wary of wary. <laughs> he's he's not in our Hall of Fame, but he's, but he's a good, not solid terrible. director. Man, isn't that high praise for professionals when two amateurs in a podcast call your work acceptable? <laughs> that's when you know you've peaked. I think it says a lot when two amateurs on a podcast can recognize that you're doing good editing. No, yeah, that's true. I just I just sit here and go, can you imagine just like doing something you're really proud of? Or just like doing your job and then just having two idiots in <laughs> 20 years just like... Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> you're giving their peace on it. You're just sitting there just giving them a finger like, wow, fuck you very much. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, cool. So, so uh, we open this episode... On the moon. Or not. 
a few episodes ago, I remember catching in the trivia that Richard Dean Anderson was kind of annoyed by the fact that since they were always, you know, recording, not recording, uh, filming in Vancouver, Vancouver. that all these plants all the looked trees, like, you know, yeah. Vancouver. Which is so, why they have that one line where Jack is just like, yeah, more trees. Yeah, exactly. So there's that thing. Um, and, you know, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get his pain. I take, I give credit to SGU for trying to think outside the box where there was one planet where they just spray painted all the plants. Um, like there was a, a sword fern covered in blue paint. <laughs> and I was like, you tried! They <laughs> certainly tried. You tried! Good job! Anyway, so, um, what was I going with this? Oh, yeah, I liked opening on a barren moonlight yeah, planet. No, it's I, like, dude, variety! Woo! What I liked about it was the fact that they actually just open up from a distance, far enough away that you see four people in spacesuits, but you don't know what they look like or anything. You can almost do, like, the space obviously thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and they, they actually take a while to say anything. So you could take a moment and be like, oh, did they go to the moon? Because, <laughs> like, we, we had them interact with the, the um, love, how, I can't, shuttle. <laughs> interact with the shuttle. Yeah, remember when they had to get picked up by the shuttle? Oh, sorry. Previous episode. Yes. Yes. So, like, we know they have some sort of interaction with NASA, so it's not... NASA. NASA. <laughs> so it's not that weird. To think that they might have to go to the moon for something. Yeah, sounds right. Sounds good. So, but yeah, I liked how they actually give you, like, probably almost a good 30 seconds where they don't point out that they're on a different planet. And then they compare it to the moon. <laughs> and then yeah. you're like, oh, okay. I honestly just love how they gloss over the fact that these guys have been given zero-G training. So I went to space camp in Alabama. And it was really cool because zero-G training, basically. Yeah. But they put you, like, in a lot of these actual rigs that they used on the astronauts. Uh-huh. Now I didn't get to do the really cool one where the astronaut put you in a space suit and you went in the pool because that was for the older crowd. That makes sense. Yeah, like they weren't gonna do that to a bunch of kids no. who didn't know what they were doing yet. Because they had to pump in oxygen and shit like that and plus I'm sure that was I'm sure that program was also way more expensive. Probably, yeah. The goal was to go back years later, but of course anyway, um one of the I hated one of the rings more yeah. than anything because it was to put it mildly painful camel toe. <laughs> This thing was not designed for women. Let me tell you that, okay? I don't feel guy, like guys would have liked it either. I don't know if this thing was just not on right or something, but it dug into places it fucking hurt. <laughs> okay? And it, the whole point was that it, meant, it was meant to make you um, make you feel the gravity you f- would feel on the moon. Mm-hmm. So reduced gravity, not no gravity. Yeah. So it made your steps harder, and you have to, like, it, they would tell you to, like, you know, grab this, like, brick mm-hmm. and move it three steps over. And it was a fucking bitch! <laughs> Yeah, granted, I was an out-of-shape 10-year-old, not, you know, a NASA freaking astronaut, but the point or is... military trained. Yeah, exactly. Like but the thing is, is that neither are, no offense, neither is um, Daniel. Uh, at this point, he's definitely field trained. Yes, but my point is, they have not necessarily been given zero-G training. No, that's something to actually think about, because it's not completely out of the realm of possibility to think that you're going to find a planet with zero-G. Right. When you're doing all of this. Space um, happens. Yeah, exactly. But I wonder if it was something that they thought was enough of a possibility that it's just general training for field teams, or if they sent them out through found out it was zero-G, and then had to pause sending the team through so they could get ready for it. I want on record, I don't know if I'm agreeing with you because it's logically <laughs> correct or because I just really want that to be true, because that'd be fucking awesome. What, if they're all trained? Yeah, like, if, 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 if by now that was just a standard, come on, that'd be really I cool. mean, it's been a year. No, I'd be down. Yeah. I'd be so down for that. So I want to be I true. I like that concept. No one has expressly said it isn't, so no. I'm, 
I know it's not how that works. No, that's, that's, proving that's how it works for me. It's proving a negative. You know how often in canon where I'm like, listen. Until they expressly the, state otherwise. The creator themselves would have to tell me this is not the answer to this. Alright, yeah, I mean, we have used that logic before, so I'm here for it. We've there's, already set a precedent of less than logic logic. There's, so several, just, there's several different canons where I'm like, no, the creator themselves would have to come down and tell me, no, you're wrong about this, for me to finally stop saying this is how it is. Yeah. And even then, I would give the creator a look and be like, are you sure? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they... They're on the not moon. Yeah, they're on the not moon. Um, they're tracking like an energy source that... Apparently, he's been sending like source pulses. Pulses. It's Ad Astra. Neanderthal times. Ad Astra ripped off Stargate one. Ad Astra is a bad movie. We should watch it sometime just to diss it because it's gorgeous cinematography. It's that Brad Pitt movie where he's trying to find his troubled soul. It's like a really introspective space. I immediately dismissed and ignored. You should have. It was, it was a bad choice on my part. It was on Hulu. There's a scene where he's falling from an app. It's like he's like a constructor in space. Constructor. He's a construction man in space. And he falls mm-hmm. thanks to these pulses. Yeah. He gets knocked off of it. And it's like it's like a base jump. And he fucking falls. And it was it's a gorgeous scene where he's just inside the space mm-hmm. suit as he's fucking falling endlessly almost. And it's very tense. And yet the movie itself is fucking garbage. <laughs> if you want that tense, just watch Gravity. No. Gravity's terrifying, yeah, right? Gravity could happen. Gravity is terrifying. No, gravity. No, here's the thing. I don't like Ad Astra because it's bullshit in terms of, um, it's just, it's bad drama. It's not good drama. It's I just, think it's just I watched bad. the trailer it's for it and went, this looks dumb and didn't watch it's it. It's pretentious. And in the end, okay, you know how Contact, even though no one really believes that she made Contact in the end, even though it ends oh, on I kind of a dissy note. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even though it ends on kind of a dissy note there, right? Because, yeah. like, people are not believing it. It still ends on a hopeful note mm-hmm. because it still tells you that there's hope for the future. Yeah. Ad Astra goes the opposite route, <laughs> where it establishes that Tommy Lee Jones is a crazy asshole for continuing to make contact with um, alien life because it endangers the entire solar system and they haven't made it. They haven't made any contact. It looks like we're alone. And he steadfastly believes to the end, but he's kind of basically just dismisses a crazy old man who got always got a bunch of people killed. And it's like... That's a bad message. That's the... Fuck yeah, you. We really need more of that in <laughs> our, right, our lexicon This right is now. right up there with the constant thing where they always... Like, this is what I think about Stargate, is that it constantly introduces the premise of, yeah, aliens can be bad, but aliens are not all bad. You have good a aliens. perfect correlation with this episode. Exactly. This, is, this episode is a perfect encapsulation of what... I genuinely think, like, all the elements of this episode are a perfect encapsulation of what makes Stargate SG-1 such a strong show. Why it went on for so yeah. long, even though it should have ended <laughs> oh, <you're not laughs> a couple that... seasons early. <laughs> yeah, because I've tied in so well, now I have to leave in the Ad Astra part. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, moving on. Yeah, so basically they're coming to find a uh, pulse that they got the signal from. Honestly, credit to them for... Getting the pulse signal and tying it to this planet through the gate coordinates. I don't know how they fucking did that. I I don't think they did either, hence why it was never shown on screen. (laughs) Unless they went, they sent them out, got the signals there, and were able to go, dude, this matches things that we have on record. I mean, I believe that. Sure. (laughs) Why not? There's so many planets. (laughs) Why not? Yeah, why not? It's not, it's not the important part of this episode. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so they find a little 
spherical gold artifact uh, that's been sending out the signal. <laughs> that looks like a 90s rumble toy. <laughs> Those baby toys. I have one that you turn on and it's basically a vibrator, <laughs> but it just and it's all rubbery, so it just bounces itself around, and an infant just goes, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> it looks like one of those, yeah. minus a couple of its prongs. Absolutely. And they're get a reading on it and everything. They're like, "Okay, it's got it's maintaining an internal temperature. There's an electromagnetic field around it, and it's letting out low level radiation." Which, good news about spacesuits is they are insulated, I believe, not like hardcore insulated mm-hmm. against, because they're already insulated for like, I don't know, heat, because space is cold yeah. and we need heat to live. Um, so it already has insulation because of that, but I do believe it has some other insulation in it because we do know that there is low-level radiation in space. Yeah. Well, um, they were so also- it's nice that they're kind of like already just kind yeah. of like protected in a safety measure type way. From the way they were talking about it, it seemed like the kind of low-level radiation that you could, would have been just fine standing uh, next to it. Ambient radiation, yeah. basically. Because I know that's a thing. <laughs> You're, we're already exposed to radiation. Everything already emits and is exposed to yeah. radiation on a regular basis. It's not inherently deadly. It's just when you get too much of it. And what kind. And what kind. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure most kinds. Technically, everything's poisonous. Even water is poisonous if you uh, drink yeah, too much yeah. of it. So. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they basically came to find this thing because they figured out it's a strong power source. Yeah. They don't know what for, they don't know why. They figure out that there's, like, <laughs> writing on the outside of it. Yeah, there's a tiny little really inscription. Really tiny. Like, they have to get right up on it to be like, oh, I think that might be writing. <laughs> Safely up on a... <laughs> like, just get well, that faceplate right up on it. <laughs> with those, uh... With the face plates, they'd have to get right up on it to not, see anything. I, just, I feel like this is not an unreasonable addition to spacesuits. I'm sure what I'm proposing would cost millions because nothing's ever easy. No. But I still think it'd be cool. This could just be because I just saw Mandalorian. But there's the this you know little focusing doohickey that attaches to the helmet uh-huh. that you just swivel it down like uh, like the flag on a mailbox. Or like Over your the, eye. Um, the jewel the jewel glasses. Yeah, those things. So like but like for a magnifying glass, but like bifocals, you know, style. Yeah. And you just like go they, no, like, over your um, over your faceplate on your spacesuit, and then all of a sudden you got magnifying capabilities because yeah, you're limited by what you got on your face. So yeah. you should have an extension of sort, I think. Mm-hmm. Now I know I'm this probably sounds super fucking you know expensive, but they already have those little swivel things on the side anyway for those um sunshade yeah. uh Swivel downs. Mm-hmm. So it would just be something else to add to that, like a treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Daniel guesses that it might be a time capsule for a dying race. Yeah, he wants it to be something wonderful. And gets a flashlight in his face for his effort. This time it wasn't him doing it to himself, at least. I do love it. Like, he gets flashed in the face, but then he just goes, <laughs> like, recoils away and, like, gives Jack a look like, <laughs> like why? Rude. I do enjoy because it it's like it's dialogueless content. It's just him <laughs> saying something, getting a light in his face, and him like recoiling and then like, giving a dirty look off camera. I like physical acting and I love physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Comedy. 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 Dude, it's like people who don't say the whole like people say crayon instead of crayon. 
It's like, say the whole word. Oh, um, so Teal'c, meanwhile, thinks it might be a booby trap because that's how the gold roll. He doesn't say booby trap, though. He just, like, says, oh, like, uh, the gold, if they get defeated, would leave something behind that could trigger some sort of destruction for the people who attacked them in the first place, blah, blah, blah. And then Sam goes, a booby trap? And then he just looks at her and goes, booby. My exact note on this <laughs> I was is booby. <laughs> wow. Like somebody thought that was worth writing, putting to paper, acting out. I am just on okay. record. Maybe. I am offended. No. That is the laziest, stupidest fucking kind of me. But knowing what kind of personality Christopher Judge has at cons, I don't it care. Seems like a very yeah, Christopher no. Judge kind of show. You are correct, and he is wrong. <laughs> Every, I'm sorry. Okay, it's like, dude, I have never in my entire. I'm gonna stop putting my. Because I was about to say, you're just saying that Brad there. Wright wrote, and I was like, no, this really feels like a Christopher no, Judge no, no, improv. No, no. Here's the thing. Okay, I was just saying this. I've never felt more validated in my life than in an episode once of uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Where Terry says, because uh, Rosa says something along the lines of, this isn't, you know, one twin calling the other a poopy head. And he goes, you know, poopy head wouldn't just get a timeout. That'd be like no TV privileges for something for like a week. Terry hates bathroom humor. And I was like, Same. fucking yes. Because I'm sorry. I don't find fart jokes funny. I think they're gross. Maybe nice. I'm just a prude, but fuck it. I don't like you remember it. It's, it's lazy how, humor and it's gross. You remember when we played Cards Against Humanity yeah. and any bathroom humor immediately loses when yeah. it's my round? Yeah, no. Exactly. Immediately. Yeah, and bathroom humor's gross. And somehow some of our friends still haven't figured that out. And because some of our friends them. are children. <laughs> and I'm, I, I literally always tell them, I'm like, you know that's never going to win with me, right? And I know, it's funny. It's like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. But yeah, so the same kind of thing is I'm not saying that I, I am not immune to breast humor <laughs> when it's funny. I love my boyfriend very much, and yesterday a dog nailed him in the balls, <laughs> and I couldn't get out the words, are you okay, for like three whole minutes because <laughs> I was dying. laughing so hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you are. <laughs> about life that will always be funny and breast humor can be that just sounds like a terrible phrase but it could be in there you know booby is just stupid where are you a three-year-old on a playground get over it booby jesus christ you're a boob and i hate you i'm convinced christopher judge did that joke himself well i'm unhappy with that knowledge i love him dearly and i just i know everybody has their immature moments but jesus which one seems more likely that Brad Wright wrote that joke or that Christopher Judge improved it? I'm gonna be really sexist right now. I don't fucking know. They're both men. <laughs> okay, we're like four notes into this right, page note thing, so let's do this. So they they kind of like talk back and forth for a minute, like which one's more likely, time capsule or or, or weapon? <laughs> <laughs> you know, good or bad. Which is it? No, you know what? I'm sorry. I do have to do uh, diversions for a second here because Deadpool did a good version of that joke. And it's, um, there's a, one of the animated with Spider-Man and Spider-Man says like something about, oh, a booby trap. And then Deadpool starts giggling and Spider-Man looks over and he goes, you said trap. You <laughs> said expecting trap. expecting him to laugh over booby, but no, he goes, you said trap. I like See, that's an anti-joke. Right? Like that. I that's like a that. good one. See, that's, see, that's a complex joke. Yes. 
in that it's not just some idiot going, huh, boob. Yeah, because you're expecting someone like Deadpool to be an idiot and laugh over boob, right? But no, he's laughing over trap. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just offended by this concept on a primal level because it's really annoying to me that somebody could walk out in public and go boobs to a stranger and maybe crack a laugh. But if I were to walk up to some guy and go penis, they'd just be probably either creeped out or aroused or both. But they sure as hell wouldn't be laughing. Okay, anyway, back to our actual thing. So they're talking it over, and they basically decide that it might be worth the risk to take home for now, at least. Because they, like, they don't know what it does, but they don't have any overt signs of danger in it right now. Yeah, there's nothing going danger, danger. And Sam's like, hey, if we could figure out the source of this energy, we could really use this kind of energy source. I have no argument with what led them to conclude with taking it to Earth. I just, you should have heard my my little rage squeal. (laughs) From across the apartment, like um, like 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 Eric did, because it was great. I was I was home, obviously, um, and I'm watching it. And obviously, it's at the time where this coming up scene, where they put it in the thing, mm-hmm. and then it glows. And it glows. Yeah, I just and my, my first response is, I know I'm coming at it from a more modern age where surveillance is everywhere. I get that. However, I just feel like when you're taking shit home with you, especially when you're just putting it on a mount. I just feel like they constant felt camera like there was use. An energy spike or something. They should they should keep this shit under surveillance literally at all times. Not just when it's now through the gate and on Earth. Yeah. No, but you're right. From the moment of capture. Because it's alien think, technology. You don't know anything about it. Why the fuck aren't you watching it? The only thing I can think is that even if they do have plans and preparation for the potential for non-gravity atmosphere planets like this. They probably don't have as much tech to cover. Sure. I'm still just... No, <laughs> no I agree. No, there should be a camera on it. No, sorry. They're, they even put it in the... It, I, it sure as hell looked like it was in the mouth. To be fair, <laughs> I don't think it even needed a camera on it because it had a screen over it. You could see it. Why wasn't anyone looking at it? Yes, exactly. Jesus. I got so mad there. <laughs> I was mad in the apartment. Like, this... Should not have happened. Yeah. None of that should have happened. This should have been a non-fucking issue from the beginning. Yeah, my my note here says sphere goes episode has to happen inside yeah. its cage. Yeah, exactly. An episode gotta happen. Uh so they get back through and Jack makes a first walk on the moon joke. We knew he was gonna. It's Jack. It was just it was Jack being a dad. Let him be a dad, okay? okay? Fine, but from now on, I want to record that when I do ha, just picture the Zootopia sloths yeah. when they're responding. Just and then ten minutes later, you'll finish Ha. <laughs> ha. But seriously, it's like, uh, funny, ha. Um, so then we cut to the Wonder Twins studying it in the lab. Yeah, dude, I want you to know, I literally... This was is a that, good that scene began, I was hearing you say that. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> when I was watching this scene, I could literally hear you from across the city just going, Yay, Wonder Twins! I actually Wonder didn't write Twins. Wonder Twins anywhere in my notes. I Why just said it? it now. But the point is, I knew it was there. It's a good I knew Wonder it was there Twins episode, because they're just being nerds together. Yeah. Oh my god, and I love my note from this scene. And I, okay, you know what? Credit here. to this episode, yeah? the solution comes from both of them. I love I, when they exactly. do that. No, I, I, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Like, frustrating. Exactly, well. yeah. Dude, it's like I know you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're studying it. And, and, no, 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 no. First, <laughs> Daniel tell because uh, they have this lieutenant, this cute lieutenant. No, 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 no. I, trust me, we're not there okay, yet. Fine. I have it written down. Fine. God, Go no. Ahead. No, first off, 
while she's studying the sphere, Sam goes, well, we discovered two elements. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Because it made me yes. think of the movie of Artemis Fowl, where um, that yeah, one psychiatrist yeah. is mad. He's like, no, or the teacher. Somebody's, somebody's mad because they're like, yeah, not only is he arguing with me about the periodic element table, not only is he arguing about how it should be aligned, he's telling me about ones that sh- are missing. <laughs> and all I could think about there was that professor, I was just like, ooh, bummer, dude, you're not even gonna, you're not gonna like this episode. He's <laughs> like, oh, bummer, looks like he was right! Don't, I was right! Don't tell me that. You know my penchant for wild crossovers. Now I'm just thinking of Artemis finding out about this sphere and being like, I knew it! I know, I know, I know. It's just because this is how language works. But every time somebody says penchant instead of penchant, I want to die. <laughs> I'm not from Quebec. I'm not from Quebec either. <laughs> I'm not even from Quebec. I'm just. I don't even need to be Canadian. I am Canadian, but the point is, it's probably just because I'm Canadian. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is. All right, moving on. But so she she discovers two new elements while studying it, and then. Um, Sam's aide is, like, in the background, like, at the computer, reading off things or whatever, and he seems really anxious. Cutely nervous. Like yeah. Like a puppy. And he's cute. He is adorable. He is oh my cute. God, he was... <clears throat> I couldn't think he was sexy just because he was too cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Daniel teases that he's not anxious because of the sphere, he's anxious because of... because he has a crush on Sam. All the thumps this episode are me because I keep whacking into the thing. Anyway, yeah. I'm all them. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, he says that she, he's not anxious because of the sphere, he's anxious because he's... He's got a crush on Sam. To which, just the A just on the mic goes, we're recording right now. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, and their faces as no, they just, okay, oh no. god. Uh, I know here is Sam looks embarrassed. Daniel pretends to be awkward about it. He yeah. knew. He He's did it on purpose. Because then he even just goes, oops. <laughs> I, I, my, my note's great. On here, but my note's, my note's great. Like, how amazing. Uh, my note is, I, I love it because it's, I love Sam's. It's just literally that awkward. Thank you, Lieutenant. <laughs> yeah, that's her reaction. The Daniel just like, oops. oops. <laughs> he pretends to not to be like, oh, I didn't know. Dude, I have done that so many times. I am somebody who does not understand what volume is or self control of said volume. I a hundred percent believe he did it on purpose oh, yeah. so the A was here. Yeah, I just reflecting it from my own. No, that's me point. for sure. I can't control my volume of voice either. What are we talking about? But I absolutely believe he did that on purpose. Right. Dude, okay. I'm so glad I wrote this down. Before we go anywhere. Yes. Okay. This has nothing to do with it, but (laughs) when we were, Eric and I were watching, for some reason I went into trivia mode and I was interrupting my own scene. I said, hey, fun fact. For some reason, these um, seasons must have have been produced side by side. And despite the fact that they were filmed in 97... Get me fish. Let me fish. So despite them being aired in 97 and 98, respectively, I don't understand how this would have worked, but they must have been filmed... Really close together because season two is where this scene happens for Amanda Tapping's intro sequence. However, they use that in season one. Eric apparently got a bug in his brain about it, so he went looking. Uh huh. And I don't have a link for it yeah. at this moment, but I'll have to give him while I'm editing because I need to get his link. And this is all a credit to my boyfriend for doing this. And it turns out there's actually a reason. Uh huh. They didn't. What they did was when Sci Fi bought the rights, they decided to do a, a Dinklage. Anola North Dinklage. Where? Remember how in Destiny, when they uh, decided to recast uh, Peter Dinklage, um, they recast Nolan North for the ghost? They went ahead and did a patch where they actually did redid all of the vocal work for the game. Uh-huh. So that not at any point did it actually say 
anything in Peter Dinklage's voice and then suddenly Nolan North. So it was all now his voice. Okay. Sci-Fi did a similar thing where they went through and they put all of the sequence, open sequence, um, what they call the action-packed yeah. intro versus that, remember that raw mask intro from Children of the Gods where yeah. it's just that slow panning over the whole thing? Turns out that was actually the one that Showtime used for the first couple seasons. I feel like I remember yeah. that, actually. Sci-Fi, when they got the rights... When they did the DVDs and everything, just redid the overlay. That makes sense. But here's a funny thing that happened as a result of that. Shortly after Sci-Fi got the rights, they changed millimeters, camera millimeters, uh-huh. on, from like 28 to 32. And what's really funny about that is apparently the opening sequence couldn't be uh, re-rendered very well. So abruptly, for no fucking reason, they went back to the Anubis, the, the raw mask <laughs> intro. For seasons three through five, oh and then, then after that went back to using a different action packed intro. That's funny. But they did this weird superimposing because of that. So I don't know how the DVDs are gonna do it. We got to yeah, keep an eye out for we'll when see. it happens. But yeah, so that was all revealed to me during today's episode, even though it had nothing to do with today's <laughs> episode, just because I mentioned this offhandedly to Eric while we were watching this at home. Funny. So yeah, that was my whole fun thing for you. Daniel confirms that the <laughs> writing, that it is writing on the sphere. Yeah. Like, because he gets a, he's able to, like, get in, like, my, yeah. you know, microscope over it and actually see what's written there. So he's basically, they're at a briefing now, and he's saying, yeah, this is writing, but I don't know what it says. <laughs> Obviously. But hey, step uh, one. But we now know it's writing. That there's, he thinks it might contain uh, instructions for how to open the sphere, but he says that there's about like a, the equivalent of like thousands of pages worth of writing on this sphere with how small it is and how it's all over the sphere. And so they're trying to figure out what to do about it. Hammond tells them NID wants to look at it. But Stop. until they know what's up with this sphere, NID doesn't get to come anywhere near it. You know, I'm sure the concept of these departments <laughs> makes sense on paper. Like, for example, I actually, as somebody who is completely unaffiliated or unrelated in any way, shape, or form to, to the police in any way, shape, or form, I understand the existence of internal affairs. Yeah. Because when you have people who are put in authority in positions of power, Absolutely. they need to be, mm-hmm. there needs to be a system of checks and balances. That's how our government is supposed to work, and that's how this should work. And of course, naturally, cops, because of how many bad ones get in there, there's a lot of toxic, not masculinity, just toxic, toxic power. yeah. And, you know, p- absolute power corrupting absolutely. Mm-hmm. People don't like having people looking into their personal business. No. Here's the thing. I understand why these departments exist on paper. So I feel like people who are cops should, for example, understand why these exist on paper, even if they have personal feelings about it. Uh-huh. So I have feelings about this fictional NID. However, what the fuck can there possibly be meaning-wise for this garbage fucking department on paper? Because they're just slimy weasels. They're Is their job to be a slimy weasel? They're here as the check to make sure that there's a secondary source. I'm not. No, I, 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 I think so. I'm not. I, I've heard a good, secondary I've source to confirm for uh, potential items of power or weapons because they only come in anytime there's something powerful. Right. So they're because just, just they're, just, they're the, just the worst part of the military. Got it. <laughs> theori- okay, like they're they're bad, but theoretically, if they were good organization, they would be the secondary check over SGC to be like, are you hoarding something you shouldn't be, or oh. not sharing information? Theoretically, I feel like. Okay. But, because they only come in when there's a power source. Even if you're wrong, that still is a concept I hadn't 
thought of, and so it's better than nothing. So I like that. There you go. And I said the con, because it just reveals to me that I'm like, okay, no, I just don't know I'm not seeing something. I wasn't seeing that, but because I might not be seeing other things too, in case mm-hmm. that is wrong. But yeah, that makes me feel better because it's like, okay, cool, 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 there's other options. Because yeah, they only get involved when there's something powerful or when it was teal. He's a, he's a weapon. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's a weapon they think is pointing at them. Mm-hmm. And so on. So, makes sense. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so, but Hammond basically put this book down over the phone, like, no, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> that was Hammond over the phone. And Teal'c even points out that until they know what the sphere does, it's safer to keep it near the gate, where they have a quick way to get rid of it. Teal'c is so reasonable. I love it. He's very smart. He's great. He's so good in this episode. He was a military leader for a reason. Yeah. I love it. No, he's so good in this episode, though. Yeah. He's calm and reasonable, and these are the moments I can see him back in the day, not like a murder sense, yeah. but in the running entire operations mm-hmm. and having to be the one who made decisions of a various sort. Mm-hmm. And it, when even, not everything can be a familiar situation. For example, the one they're in now cannot possibly be a no. new a familiar situation. It cannot possibly be a familiar situation. And yet he's able to very quickly and very logically come up with a perfectly reasonable answer. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And it's just, I like how calm, quiet, and capable he is. He he's earned just a his great place. Leader. Yeah, he's just, he's a great leader. Yeah, he's already earned his place, yeah. but I love how this just proves it again, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. Uh, Hammond reminds them that they have another mission scheduled soon, um, and Daniel basically throws a little tantrum because he doesn't like the planet they're supposed to go to because there's nothing interesting for an archaeologist there. So he's basically insinuating, like, let the team go without me. I'll stay here and keep researching it. Oh no, the horror! <laughs> and Dan- and I love Jack. Eric, of course, from across the apartment, all I hear is him going, Daniel, Jack, Daniel, Jack. <laughs> Dude, there's, a, there's a moment later, very soon, that's very much like, but Jack. I just love him. Daniel, Jack, Daniel, Jack. Jack has a very reasonable response there of his own, where he's like, nope. You know the rules. We've talked about Oh, no, this. I actually have that written down here. That's yeah. actually, you're, you keep skipping ahead. I'm not that skipping part ahead. I'm getting ahead. You are absolutely skipping ahead. I have, like, five notes oh, between that. Oh, I got No, Hammond basically says, I can give you 24 hours. Oh, yeah, that part. You're right, I was skipping ahead. Oops. But Daniel's basically like, that's not enough time. And Sam, who's a reasonable person, is like, thank you for the 24 hours, sir, and drags Daniel out. Like, oh my god, Daniel, just go. <laughs> just take it. He gave us 24 hours. But basically drags him out, and they spend the next 24 hours not leaving the lab. To the point to where we get to the scene where um, Daniel is... Uh, once again, not re- wearing his glasses while reading on something on the computer. Which, this is the one time I, where I will give him some defense for not wearing his glasses. Because if he's been up for, Who like, 18 hours already, already, he's, he's probably been the shit staring out. at a computer. Yeah. I don't no, think Michael tracks. Shanks was thinking that. I think he was just thinking, I hate these glasses. But this is the one where I will give him that he's not wearing his glasses. It's like right now, every time every time now I catch... Uh, for example, I was re-watching episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and New Girl. Mm-hmm. And in two separate instances, a character was wearing a mask, and it didn't stand out to me. <laughs> and I had to go, oh, right. People don't do that. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he basically is, like, looking at it, and he says something. Hang on, let me find my... Uh, so he says what he initially thought was a page one might actually be the start of number a number counting up exponentially. and <laughs> Which tells me... Nothing. Yeah, and he just throws his <laughs> pencils 
damn. <laughs> I, I love the pencil thing, because that was, oh my god, I related so yeah. hard. Oh, I mean... That, I, that just embodied frustration. Right? I've done that, where it's like, my dad used to get really mad at me because I embodied him, which was, I'd get frustrated with whatever I was, you know, doing, and I would just kind of take whatever I was holding and fling it. Yeah, so he's frustrated. Nothing's come of it. Jack comes in and lords that he got sleep over the rest of them. <laughs> Like, I slept perfectly. How have you guys been? It's like a Cheshire cat. And then Daniel immediately starts panicking, like, no, it can't be morning already. And they go, oh, yeah, no, it is. It's 0300. And this is where... It doesn't make sense. Isn't it just 1300? No, he's saying that they have to leave at... They have to leave at 1300, don't they? Was it 1800 or 1300 they'd leave it? No, I think he was saying what time it was currently that they needed to go get some sleep. That's why. No, no. He was saying that they were going to leave soon for their mission. Yeah, I know. They weren't getting any sleep. They were just going to have to no, go. No, because he said that they needed to go get some sleep. He literally he? said, yeah, that was the whole thing. He said that they were required to go get some sleep. He literally wow. said that, yeah. They would have gotten, like, nothing. Yeah, but it would have been better than literally yeah. nothing. It would have been better than literally nothing. Fair enough. Except that they they wind up going on literally nothing for this whole episode. Yeah, but just, which is why uh, Sam and Daniel look rough by the end of this. Yeah, right. Um, but no, this is the moment where I have where J- Daniel basically goes, "Dad," at Jack. <laughs> basically, be like, "Can you ask Hammond for more time?" And he's like, "Nope." Okay, but then I need to, like, stay behind and just, like, keep working then. And nope. this is where he goes, SG-1 is a field unit. You can't have it both ways. You wanted to go out. Yeah, you insisted on being on SG-1 because you wanted to be the potential person to find Sade first. This is your trade-off. You don't get to stay home when you want to. And I love that, like, they don't even really dig into why he's like, you can't have it both ways. We just know that that's what the, the background behind that is. You fought to be on SG-1. Now you have to deal with that. Exactly. Yeah, so as they start to walk away, the sphere temperature spikes. All of the output readings. Radiation goes up. The electromagnetic field. Like, all of it is starting to go. And they're like, okay, we this we don't know what's going on with this. We need to send it back to the gate. Whatever this is happening, we can't. We don't know what to do with it. We're going to send it back to the gate. She sends Daniel off to go tell them to start dialing. And he runs off and he tells them, like, start dialing through. And Hammond's like, on whose orders? And he's like, Sam's. But you know what kills me is the fact they don't have, like, a macro written for emergency situations. They're obsessed with macros. I was like, you should have seen me in seventh grade when I originally learned about them. I told you, I've told you this a million times how my school had a no-no list uh-huh. oh, of yeah, words. I remember. We weren't allowed to use certain words like R and U and shit. And I remember that stupid, yeah, the dead word list. Yeah, that you had, okay, yeah. it's called the dead word list yeah. for you. For us, it was called the no-no words. I got tired of that, so I just, um, I had just learned how to write macros. Nice. So I wrote a macro for for a word, and then you, know, you hit a macro, and then all the words would be highlighted for you, and you wouldn't have to go do it individually. Mm-hmm. When there's an emergency situation like this, for example, you brought something back from a planet, you're not sure what it is yet, and you know you might need to toss it back through at any point. And they even have an I, episode okay. at one point where they do actually use that because they need to do it fast. They need to dial will, fast. I will, A, not disagree with you <laughs> that they should have some sort of signal that they can send from the research labs directly to the gate room. At the very least However, that. At the very least that. Like a red button. Yeah. Bam. However, in this one instance, it wouldn't have mattered because of the amount of time it took to disconnect the orb. You are correct on that instance. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing I with you that they should still. have that, but in this episode, it wouldn't have mattered. True, but they should still because have a constant system of backup. Way before they yeah. get there with the orb. It's just like the camera thing earlier with why isn't this shit under constant surveillance? This show could not 
better personify what the 90s was in comparison to now, in the sense that maybe we should be kind of worried about how much constant surveillance we're under, mm -hmm. because there actually exists a time where we didn't used to just constantly think about that. But here's the thing, it's only laughable now because we live in a very mm -hmm. different yeah. environment. This shit, it personifies exactly what it used to be like. We didn't live in this constant sense of paranoia. However, they, didn't know they the should have. That's the thing, they're still fucking shut up. They were the military. They, if anyone's gonna have cameras, it should be yeah, people. but it's also the military doing a brand new sort of exploration. Am I giving people too much credit here? Yes. Ugh. Fine. Especially the military. You know how long it takes them to change anything? I think there's a military in a light bulb joke here somewhere. <laughs> Alright, yeah, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, so he runs off to tell them to start dialing through. Meanwhile, um, Jack and Sam start unhooking it from its base. Yep. Uh, and Jack, like, calls Tilk over to help him do it even faster and everything. And the sphere starts to open a little bit, like, cracks open, just it around the edges. Like, uh, like when you get an orange open. Yeah. <laughs> and it starts to glow. And that's when Tilk's like, uh, Sam, Jack's like, come over here to help me do this faster. Jack's basically like, we're just gonna, because, uh, Sam says... We don't have enough time to get, like, the suits on and everything. And Jack says, we're just tossing it through. <laughs> yeah. We're not messing around. We're not being safe here. This is a rock, and we are going to we're throw it. <laughs> but um, as they get it unhooked from the base, it sends out two little short little spikes out of its side. And they're just like, oh, boy. Okay, yeah, let's hurry up. Let's get this out of here. Right? Yeah. And uh, you see Jack and Teal grabbing one side of each of it and just running sideways down the, the hallways with it. They get to the gate room, and the it just starts to open up. And right when they're about to be like, okay, let's go up the, the ramp and throw it through, it sends a spike through the floor to keep it there. Yep. And then it starts sending out spikes on All the sides. Side. Like, <laughs> barely misses Teal. And then right when Sam's like, get out of there... It shoots out one and spears Jack through the shoulder into the wall. Which my note for that literally Ooh. is fucking acting the shit out of this. Richard Dean Anderson owns this episode. Yeah, he is somebody in fucking agony. And you can This is a good episode for everyone. Everyone does great. Even even No Name Aid, he has a name. I it's like Graham or something. I don't know. Who? The aide who has a crush on Sam. Oh Simmons. Simmons. Okay, even he, like, is, everyone is doing a really good acting job, everyone has great character opportunities in this episode, but Richard, Richard Dean Anderson steals this episode. Oh, no, you're not wrong. His acting during this whole time where he's skewered to, skewered to this wall is remarkable. Yeah. He's showing his experience in this no, episode. No, you're not wrong. I remember watching this a couple times when I was a kid and thinking, oh, okay, this is like William Shatner level acting here. And then, because I, I didn't pay attention to it enough as a kid. Yeah. I remember being more wowed by him saying shit than anything else as a kid. <laughs> we walked in. Um, dude, I still remember the episode of Farscape where he says shit and I go, Oh my god, he said shit. I was a child. We oh my god. Um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> what I love about this is watching it now as an adult because, granted, I caught the uh, extra detail that Janet says when she comes in where she adds the extra little cop, you know, little, little asterisk detail. Not only is he skewered, that went through his fucking scapula. Yeah. So with that frame of mind, Holy shit, is he acting the shit out yeah. of this? Because, ow! Oh, he, he oh my god, immediately ow. Oh my looks god, ow. destroyed. Oh, the idea of having something pierced through my... That's thick, too. That thing's a... That's not like a pole. That's mm. not... Sorry, that's not like a rod. That's a pole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That is a dirty sentence out loud. Yeah. But seriously, that's a, that's a lot of bone to just have gone through. Ah, yeah. I have broken a lot of bones. I have told you this many times. Yeah. Uh, for the audience here, uh, collectively, I did the math once, I've broken about 16 or 17 bones. 
uh, depends on how you define a shattered elbow. Because uh, the shattered part happened on top of seven fractures that my mother and father were tired of taking me to the ER. And they're like, well, you can move your arm, it's probably not broken. Whereas I have <laughs> fractured five, and they've all been toes. Gross. But yeah, you know the crunchy sensation. But yeah, so the thing oh, is... because I ran over yeah, so you know bone pain. With a pallet jack. Yeah. Which had about a thousand pounds yeah, worth so of material. You, yeah, crunch. <laughs> yeah. Crunch indeed. So yeah, severe bone pain is not something that we're not familiar with. Granted, granted, not to this level. Do not get me wrong. But I just remember... Ow. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's fucking agony. And that's not even accounting for all my body weight being also hung off Yeah, that's my next note. I'm like, for fuck's sake, get the man a stool to stand yeah, on. And then ugh. Hammond says, get him a stool. And I'm like, thank yeah, you, yeah, Hammond. Reason. Thank you. Yeah, no, credit the to, fact to the, the SG team. Everyone jumps in to help him right away. Okay. <laughs> but the fact that that is not the first thing anyone does, that's why I wrote the note. It's like the third thing anyone yeah. does. Oh yeah, by the way, he's hanging here. Even Teal, who I, I get what Teal's goal here was, but Teal is the first one there, and he runs out and doesn't, like, get something for Jack to stand on. I'm like, you were the first one there, Teal. You could have done... But I get I get what he was looking at, like, ending this sooner. Yeah. I get it. No, I get you. So basically, Teal runs out to go... On Jack's order, even. Yes, Jack, oh, Jack's Jack's destroy this. Thing. Jack's also fucking desperate. He not only needs this thing gone to protect Earth, he wants it gone because it's going through his shoulder yeah. and he needs that to stop now. So Jack tells Teal to destroy this thing. Teal darts out of the room. Yeah, no, he bails. No hesitation. He runs to the weapons locker, gets his staff weapon, comes back, and shoots at it. Yep. And before he actually before he shoots at it, Sam for a moment is like, we don't know how much of that power is gonna go through it into Jack. And yep. Hammond basically is like, look, we have Energy to try. weapons suck. He's like, look, we have to try. They, they shoot it like three times. And you definitely see some of the energy going through Jack to where he's actually getting hurt. It's definitely not all of it because yeah. I would have fucking killed him after three shots. Right, no. But there's some distribution that he's getting some of it. Yep. And they finally figure out, like, this is not helping. It's absorbing the energy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not hurting it at all. Nope. Um, to be fair, energy weapons are actually great. I just think that every culture, as they evolve, should hold on to projectile weapons as as well as uh -huh. their energy weapons. Because I well, feel like it's just smart. Remember when we were playing Starfinder? Yeah. And we had we made sure to have projectile and See? energy. Yes, exactly. Certain certain people had better AC yeah. against energy, and some exactly. people had better AC yes. against projectile. Life is very much like D and D. We have learned this. Hey. <laughs> I just read this. I thought I said fucking Maybelline for a second. Wow. Um. Hammond instead decides to call for a cutting short torch, um, and Sam says that it's several hundred times stronger than steel. It's out of bad you. But he's like, look, we gotta, we gotta do something. <laughs> then we actually get like, it's like a, it's definitely some sort of like commercial break at that point, which after she says that dramatic proclamation. But then we see that uh, they're at, having a briefing or whatever. Yep. And uh, Hammond has time. barred an ID from SGC. Yeah. He's like, no, fuck off, no one's getting Which is my here. real note. It's not fucking Maybelline, it's fucking Mayborn. Fucking Mayborn. But yeah, he's like, no, no one's coming in here. And Daniel says he feels responsible because he 
I like this part because this is a scene of Daniel trying to be down on him while everyone's like, nah, dude, logic actually stays no, here, not the fault Yeah, no, here. I love it because Damon feels, Daniel, Damon, Daniel Damon. feels responsible and Hammond tells him he's not and it was bound to happen eventually. Yeah, exactly. Because they take these risks all the time. They have Statistically, to. Statistically, one's going to come back to bite you. That is the job. That is what they're doing. They're going out to look for things at these planets. They have to take those risks to bring things back. No, it would make more sense if they put cameras on them at all times. Yeah. But well, maybe, you know. maybe after this episode. <laughs> yeah, just uh, They have to learn every time. It's like every time you see a weird caution sign or a weird a Someone weird, did that. A weird law where you're like, why who who did what? What what <laughs> happened to create the need for this the sign? Warnings on like use using Yes, use exactly. Like who the fuck drank this? Yeah. Who the fuck they put it where? What? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, Hammond decides to lock up the mountain, and he calls it "initiate wildfire." I think that's a great. It's okay. Term. It's a good term because it's it's something that you would have to like quarantine. Yes. To stop it from spreading. Yep. Which he's worried about a form of a foothold ish. It's not. It's not like. It's not foothold like the foothold episode yeah, will be, but, but it's still something that they're pathogens about and shit mm-hmm. are a foothold. For Absolutely, example. but I like that we like we have after broken divide we have an actual term now. Yes, and you see all of the things happening. Like you see, like quarantine level three, blah blah blah. blah. You see, like it basically becomes medically sealed vault doors, ceiling, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I like that we're actually seeing all of the preparation they have at this point. Yeah, I'm actually going to look into it and probably include a link on this episode, mm-hmm. just because for personal curiosity. But I know on basic layman's terms what hermetically sealed is, but I'm actually going to look into, like, the actual... Uh-huh. I want to know more. Yeah. I'm going to include a link on it. Because, like, I, for example, I know that in essence of what they're doing here, because it's a closed system of air and everything, uh-huh. this has to be hermetically sealed. Yeah. So, yeah, cool, great. But I'd like to know what everything actually... Yeah. I, I, I just want to know now, like, what really was all the background stuff that we didn't see going on there? Uh-huh. What does that involve? What happens? I'm curious. Um, so, then we get to, um, Siler is torching at the at the bar. Um, Janet's checking on Jack. He's got a high fever because of an infection. She gives him something to slow the infection down. And he looks bad. <laughs> he's sweating. He's a little out of it. He's definitely in a lot of pain. He's finally got a stool so he's not hanging from his shoulder. And Teal'c, who's been standing next to D- Jack this entire time, actually goes over to Siler like, you are not going fast enough. Yeah. And Siler, uh, your progress is is unsatisfactory. And Siler pauses long enough to be like, look, this is stronger than anything I've ever ever had to cut through before. I'm going as fast as I can. Which I fucking love Teal's response there. Yeah, I I was going to say the same thing. I love that he, like, listens to the expert at what he's doing. Yeah, the man doing the cutting. Yeah. And the guy who's been doing all of their, like, right, but repairs the, I just and like stuff. how he yeah. takes the word of the person who's doing the task. Absolutely. He's, he's like, not being a Karen. He's like, all right, okay, good then job. Then I will delay yeah. you no further. Yeah, exactly. I will delay you no further. My bad. Yep. I'm like, worried about fine. my bro. Yeah. To be fair, what he said but was you're still saying you're effect. working hard, right? so... Go for it. I'm well, gonna stop delaying you. What I like about that is because technically, what what they, they said he wasn't being a Karen. He wasn't. He did say it kind of in an accusatory manner. Yeah, but he's know. worried. Exactly. But the thing is, is that he said a truth. Your progress is it's, unsatisfactory yeah, because it is. Because it is. And then he goes, I will delay you no further, or almost the exact same tone, which kind of tells you how reasonable he is and yeah. how much of a not Karen he's being here. Absolutely. And I just fucking love it because he's like. 
nothing he said there was wrong. Nope. And he didn't even act like a dick to no. Siler while it was happening. So, no, like I said, Teal'c yeah. is, is great in this episode. I, yeah. I love He's Teal'c the epitome of calm under pressure in this episode. Oh, yeah, he's so good in this episode. He's always calm under pressure, but I like how much it's actually shown. It's almost a Teal'c episode! Jesus. Honestly, yeah. No, here's the thing. This episode lets every single SG-1 member shine yeah. in a different way. But honestly, out of all of them, I'd say Daniel has the least. Well, to be fair, he gets a lot of focus. Yeah, no, that's why that's why I was saying. I was like, all the other SG-1 members get a little bit more of a push in this episode than Daniel. Sure, Daniel's here, he's still doing things, and they're still like, I want it to be something right. wonderful and like all this yeah. kind of stuff. But like, he's a lot more of like a supporting character in this episode. Whereas there's an actual strong Sam note in this episode. There's a very strong Jack note in this episode. And Teal'c's... Technically, it's so funny because, like, he's got a very strong note in that he's doing a supporting role, but not in the same way that Daniel is. Like, he's being a supporting role, but as, like, a main role <laughs> in this one, whereas Daniel's just helping out in the background the whole time. He's still here. He's still doing Daniel things. He's still having great moments, like, purposefully letting uh, the boy toy crush here yeah. that he knows yeah. that he has a crush on Sam. Yeah. But like he's he's the supporting character in this episode. Which yep. is like you said, he's usually one of the main ones, so it's nice that this is one where he takes a little bit of a back seat. And meanwhile the nerds <laughs> are gathered yeah. in a room together. Dude, I love my note on this because I love I know I've brought this up before. Yeah. But you've heard me rant, I'm sure. You and listeners have heard me have heard me rant about my disdain for the misrepresentation of Occam's razor. Yeah. In that it's no, it's not the simplest answer. The simplest Liz. answer requires assumptions. Liz, you continue to jump Skip. slightly ahead of my notes. Well, well, then I will continue to shush. You're only one bullet point ahead okay, of my well, notes. Then this time, and, let, and then let me know when it's my turn. So basically the nerds all collect. <laughs> the nerds collect. Um and Sam and Daniel are basically saying, okay, this is all the research we have on this before we had to disconnect it and all that kind of stuff. We need to go through everything we have to try and find a clue as to how to stop this. And then one of the soldiers in the room says, it's a weapon. Yeah, so it's obviously a weapon. And she just, she manages to keep out a lot of the disdain that I would have had in my yeah, voice right. had this been me in the circumstance, because she looks at him and, and not unkindly says, that would be an assumption, Captain. Yes, exactly. It's real good. And I fucking love it. Uh -huh. And he, to hit and to his credit, he accepts that answer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I love this scene. This, because this episode's this, filled with tiny, great little moments. Because, because the interactions are all This command respects her authority. Yeah, they respect people who know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And again, he wasn't being insubordinate there by making an assumption. Yeah. It wasn't like he was He's doing, like... He's just a military it guy. Well, no, it's just, it wasn't like he was, like, hearing someone say that and Kim going, watch me assume. Yeah. <laughs> he was going, okay, I'm being helpful, so we think it's this. And she goes, that would be an assumption. To which he goes, right. That's yeah. the thing. Uh -huh. And then we move on. But I guess why I really like this episode Absolutely. is it's actually built on a lot of these tiny things. And yeah, it's really well done. And, and her, and that, honestly, okay, this episode is another one. Season two does a lot of great stuff where they have these little elements in the beginning that are very small, subtle bits that are just parts of, like, the background dialogue or whatever 
in that part, but they come back at the end and mean something. Like, actually, I want to backtrack way back a little bit to when uh, Jack came back from um, in the morning. Yeah. And his greeting, his little, like, bragging about having sleep over the other two, was his first greeting to Sam and Daniel was, Good morning, campers. Yep. Good and morning, campers. And that comes back later on. Yeah. And I just... It's, there's it's there's little a little details. Of, and him saying it's a weapon and her being that's an assumption that also comes back later mm-hmm. on. And season two has been inventing things that pay off later. Yeah, and I was I, I mentioned that last episode how much I was really appreciating the show for its continuity. Mm-hmm. In the episode yeah, itself exactly, as well, yeah. internally. Exactly. So yeah. And I just like that because like this show is doing that a lot with Jolinar. They're setting up a lot of Jolinar stuff so oh, that yeah, in the next yeah. few episodes it'll make sense. Yeah, they didn't just introduce Jolinar and then just stop talking yeah, this, about her exactly. until this the This season's program. also good for addressing stuff from the first season. Like, for example, we're going to have um, a continuation soon, yay, of uh, Rayak. Rayak. And we're gonna, we had the continuation of I Thor. I think it's next episode. Yeah, we exactly. I know, that's why I'm pitching yeah, that. I know. And we, uh, we had obviously just had the, connect, you know, the continuation of uh, yeah. Thor. And so it's really good. The show's really good about keeping those threads going. It's not until later season that they stop just kind of giving a shit. Yeah. I can't remember any distinct plot elements they lost. Uh, I might actually be more bitching about. It. I think I, I think I'm conflating right now with this and uh, heroes because I was recently bitching to somebody about how much I fucking hate how many drop storylines are in heroes. So yeah, this is. I love when I point. I, I always have to be like I'm not excusing it, but I remember heroes was one of the shows that suffered a lot from the oh, right strike. No, it's not their fault entirely, no. but decisions were made. Yeah, <laughs> I will have. I do want to ask though on the topic of con- continuity through just complimenting it. Does Boy Toy ever show up again? Simmons, yeah. Oh, is he? Okay. I don't remember him at all. Pretty sure he does. I'm actually going to make a joke at the end where I'm like, did he even fucking survive this episode? Yeah, no, he did. He did. I think he does. They don't show us showing him survive. I I think that he's one of the things that's going to prove how good the show is about continuity. Because they they keep their extras. For example, that chick we like with the braid. Hell yeah, I love her. She's reappeared a few times. There's that other chick who had the maternity gown. Yeah, I don't remember him at all. Uh, but yeah, so, so, um, Janet pulls Sam aside at this point after she's given everyone, like, their instructions to start digging to show Sam that she got, like, a sample of the, what she's basically, it's like a virus or a bacteria, like, it's, it's really small, uh, but it's, like, replicating and combining and all that kind of stuff. And she shows, and she shows a sample of it uh, on the computer, and she's like, oh, was, was that on Jack? Or in Jack or whatever? And she's like, no, that was on the clothing around the pole. By the way, everything gets touched by it. Yeah. <laughs> and she compares it to a flesh-eating virus. Necrotitis fasciitis. Uh-huh. But she says that it's an undiscriminatory. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. So Sam decides right. to... Uh, bring in some UV lights to try and get a better right, a better look at what's happening. Right, because you know body stuff. Yeah, fluids, for so example, show they, up under black light. Exactly. So they warn Teal and Jack, "Hey, it's about to get dark in there. Uh, bring in a whole bunch of UV uh, towers and turn off the lights and turn on the UV lights, and you see from the sphere this steadily moving, like glowing blue stuff moving up through the pipe." Into Jack and into the wall behind him, like spreading like mold on through the concrete wall behind him, and you see it's also spreading through Jack, and specifically it's going up into like his um, frontal lobe. Yeah, 
I do like the touch. Yeah. It goes around his throat, which I think is more symbolic yes. than anything to show that it's controlling mm-hmm. him, you know, kind of like a dog with no, a collar. No, I, I made a note about it going up to his brain because that's important. No, I like the great, I love, that show has, this episode has two great elements. Your thing with the brain control, because duh, yeah. you know, frontal lobe, that's, exactly makes sense. And I just, my first, it's funny, I did notice the brain thing, don't get me wrong, but I kept focusing on the throat one because it looked more menacing. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's not technically more menacing. I'd much rather not have my brain controlled than having a... I don't know which... I, I, the argument can be made both ways of which one's worse, being fully conscious but under control yeah. or not. They're both horrific. Uh-huh. They're just... There's not a Venn diagram there no. for me. It's just no. one circle of overlapping hell. Yeah. They're, they're both really shitty. But for me, that's um, I did like how they... They made it really menacing looking. I liked it. With the control aspect looking of the throat, yeah. the collar. And so I was like, just kudos there for having both like a, a real thing that made mm-hmm. sense with the brain, but also having atmospheric. one that's atmospheric with the throat. Well, yeah, we were talking before we started recording about how this episode is like a really perfect example of one of the strong points of Stargate SG-1 in particular. Again, I haven't actually seen the other Stargates, but from the things I've uh, gathered from exposure through you talking about it or just from like seeing commercials or GIFs or whatever. Stargate SG-1 had the strength to be able to touch a whole bunch of genres at once. Mm -hmm. Like they could have their goofy crack episodes like episode (laughs) 200. They could have their serious dramatic heartfelt episodes like episode 100. Right. They could do really intense alien invasion foothold episodes. They could do horror like this episode really touches on their ability to do like horror episodes it's granted it's not like horror the whole time but there's a lot of those little elements like you're saying of the possessive around his throat and there's one scene in particular which we're not going to spoil until we get there but it was in that moment and even the director david Ware smith shoots it like and a the, horror yeah, movie yeah, in that moment yeah it's, like it's they know what they're doing exactly. because it was great timing for watching it they knew what they were doing with this episode yeah. they filmed it to be their own like horror story episode yeah. they did that on purpose there's no way that one scene was not done oh, yeah. to no. be a horror no. movie You're and correct. that's sg1 had that ability to spread its reach among all the different genres they could have their comedies, their romance, their action, their adventure, the sci-fi. There's the Indiana Jones one where um, Daniel goes off into the woods and gets kidnapped by <laughs> by terrorists for a little while. There's the other Indiana Jones one with the Crystal Skull. <laughs> Crystal Skull's a terrible movie. Yeah, but the, but the Indiana, episode the is episode's great. good. Yeah, the episode's great. But yeah, so SG-1 is really strong for that. The show is well-crafted when yes. it wants to be. Mm-hmm. So, for example, even when you have crack episodes, but yeah, with Crystal Skull, it's silly, but from what I remember, it's well made enough that it's, it's like those things that are silly without taking themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. Granted. Well, was, that was Stargate's strength. Not going down the stupid route with yeah. Absurdist, though. So like, this doesn't do that. Um, so, oh, so the UV light also did another thing other than showing that it's actually, you know purposely traveling through Jack up to his brain and also behind him into the wall, which is the first reveal we really get that we knew something was going to happen because Janet said it was on his clothes, but that's the first reveal that we get that it's going beyond Jack. Right. Through the wall. But then with the light, because it's in, it's in the gate room, but the light is also coming in through the, the observation window. Because everyone else is in the observation room. What light was coming through? I thought the they UV. turned off all the oh, UV. I thought they, I thought they put all the UV just in the embarkation. I'm not sure why I'm arguing. They this. It doesn't it, matter. It's they, fine. Yeah. I took your 
work for it. We're no. good. <laughs> no, I need to explain this because I don't know why. Because I literally just... Okay, they put the UV lights in the embarkation room. Right. Everyone is in the observation yes. room, which has the window looking directly right. into. So the UV light is coming in through the window. Oh, that's what window. you said. I thought yeah. you meant the that's other way. That's what I was way. saying. So, no. I thought you were talking about a different light source going the opposite no. direction. No, I'm understanding now what you're saying. Which is cool. how Boy Toy... I know you said Simmons, but... Here's another, um, if we ever get to doing point of origin bingo cards, one of them has got to be Mel refuses to learn a background character's name. <laughs> hey, I mean, you'll notice I get a lot, I, we get big things to a lot of characters. Chad? Like, Long hair Chad, thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. And then yesterday we were playing our game and it was short hair Chad. Yes. It's short hair Chad. <laughs> short hair Chad, long hair Chad. So yeah. Boy toy. Boy toy. It's a good name for him. He's, he's, he's a... Boy toy. Boy toy's hands are glowing. Yes. And it's like climbing up Climb his, his arms veins, too. His veins, yeah. Like mm -hmm. it's traveling up his bloodstream. Yeah. And he's freaking out. Yes. He says it's so What's sad. happening to me? He sounds like a puppy. He does. That's why he's boy toy. I named him rightfully so. His name is not Simmons anymore. It is boy toy. Um, they figure out that the sphere is spreading through the base. It goes through concrete pretty quickly. And Ham is like, the base is made of concrete. The base is made of concrete. <laughs> it seems like, yeah, it's not great. Uh, especially because it really likes the base's wiring. Yes. They, they notice that. Is this the scene that's just, just those two? Sam, um, Sam it's and Sam, Jen, and Hammond. Okay, let me know they're all talking about it. Because I fucking love that. Scene. I have a note on it. Because, no, it's, it's Janice definitely here because they're talking about how they tried to put, like, basically, like, pesticides around the wiring yeah. to, like, keep yeah. them out, and it's doing nothing. Right, yeah, I remember seeing um, that. And then Janet says, because she's uh, injecting Hammond with something, and she's like, now what's that? And she's like, tetracycline. Tetracycline. T tetracycline is what she's using on Jack to, like, help slow and keep him protected yeah, from the infection. It's a broad-spectrum antibiotic. Yeah. And she says that it's also being really useful on the people who are... Everyone... They, they say later on that everyone in the, the mountain is infected, but a lot of people are low-level infected enough that they're not glowing at all, and it can be used on them to basically stop anything from happening. Yeah. Like, they have some... They have a low-level... They're still level infected. Yeah. They're still infected. They're but they, they're not being affected by it at all. But she points out... She wants... She starts to ask him, like, hey, I need more stuff sent in. And he immediately shuts her down. It's like, no, no, Operation Wildfire means nothing leaves, nothing comes in. And she starts to argue. Yeah. Well, she basically, she actually gives, like, a firm reason for it. She's like, first of all, I don't have that much meds here to, like, keep up something long term. Also, but specifically, Simmons, the boy toy, is allergic to tetracycline. And he's actually got a worse infection than Jack. And also, we have nothing to treat him with. Yeah, because... Because he, the tetracycline doesn't work, can't be used on him, and everything else they have on base will not do an equivalent job right. to what the tetracycline would do. And I, I appreciate this because this is a good moment for Hammond. Where and it's honestly, it's a good moment showing both Janet's priorities and Hammond's priorities. Janet is a doctor. She's her first concern is going to be the health and safety of the people working on the base, and she's got someone who's in a lot of trouble, a lot of danger right now. Yep. So she's looking at solutions for that. And she's also Hammond, a young doctor, do no harm. That's exactly. Job. Hammond has to look at the broader picture Hell because yeah. he's in charge of this place. So he has to put his foot down and go, I'm sorry, sorry I cannot yeah. let anything Looks like through. he's going to die. Exactly. Like, he doesn't say that. Right. But he's he, not a callous asshole. He he's just saying, down. basically, unfortunately. But he doesn't even let her make the argument a second yeah. time. He's like, 
no. It's like, no, it's it's not going to happen. And then Janet leaves. Yeah. And now here's the scene between yeah. Hannah Which, and Sam alone. I really, really enjoy it's not a huge note. I just really enjoy it's this. It's a good scene. It's it's not like they haven't had scenes where he has just conferred with Sam. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of any, but I'm not saying they haven't existed. I just really enjoy this episode because one of the finer points of it is I really enjoy seeing an extended period of just them yeah. interacting. And they do it a couple more times, too. Oh, yeah, because... Where he has to thing. literally confer with just her. Because mm-hmm. normally, Hammond would go to Jack for this. Yeah, the authority But figure. he can't in exactly. this episode, yeah. so he's going to the next in Source, command. Yeah. And he understands Sam. who he's talking to, and he's being respectful. Not that he wouldn't be no. normally. Hammond is... It's just, I really, I just really enjoy it. I just like their dynamic, and I like mm-hmm. it being expressed in this way. It's like, anytime you watch a show, for example, we watching New Girl and then I get to watch Cece and Winston together and it's like that's kind of fun because they're not the usual focus yeah everyone likes a good Phoebe and Chandler episode because it doesn't happen as much yeah you know it's just the little things mm-hmm. so I appreciate it being highlighted in a little way and I really do like it because for example I'm gonna spoil a little bit here but she says she's going down one row this entire episode yeah. and then all of a sudden flips her gears and he's just going so just the exact opposite of what you were saying. Oh, yeah, within within a minute. Exactly. Of of getting him to do one extreme. Exactly. She changes yeah. her mind with granted right. new information right. exactly. from exactly. Daniel. Exactly. Exactly. My whole point yeah. there is what we're and going he trusts with. Her on exactly. It. Because this whole episode set it up mm-hmm. with the internal exactly. continuity. The internal continuity. And a couple of wonderful. scenes where it shows their dynamic and how they converse and how they come to conclusions together. Mm-hmm. And I just really appreciate that. And it's not done in a really obvious no. way. It's done that way though. At the end, when that scene happens, I'm like, "Holy shit! That's why those earlier scenes are there. Absolutely. It helps build this relationship." Yeah. I love it. Also, so it's really good shit. It's, outside like a, of, it's like a Bible episode, but not. Outside yeah. of, I mean, it is all in, uh, other is, than the it, first. Exactly, it's almost a Bible episode. Other than the um, before credits scene, opening yeah. scene, everything's in SGC. Yes. Um, and it's in, like, two rooms. Exactly. No, it's a, it's a, it's a nearly there Bible episode, and it's yeah. close enough to highlight why Bible episodes have their place. What I also appreciate this as about this scene, just on its own merit as well, is it's just a nice, quiet scene between them where they're both being, like, really honest with each other. And I do appreciate that he basically says, like, hey, do you think we can beat this thing? And she tries to, like, rally herself and be like, oh, you know, Jack would say, you know, we can definitely, we got this or whatever. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what she says, but... The fact that she's Jack is, like, her inspiration. And he doesn't even say anything. He just levels a look at her. Because they're both thinking, yeah, Jack's in there almost dead. Yeah. And he just, he doesn't say anything. He just levels a look at her. And she sees the look and takes it in and just kind of gets a little bit more serious in that yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. And goes, eh. Yeah, like, we all... Most yeah, she literally not. says, I don't know. I'm not sure. She goes she, from, like... You know, we all do our best to just, like, yeah, the person who would say that is currently pinned against a wall and dying. So. How are we doing? And she's like, I don't know. And she says it in that way where there's not really any positivity. It's not like she's being negative, but she's she's being very realistic. Yeah. A little fatalistic, where it's like, I don't think we're getting out of this one. Her tone kind of, to me, just went a little bit, I don't think we're doing well. Here's the thing. We're not not winning so far. She doesn't even say that. She just says, I don't oh, no, no. know. I know. Her I know. tone she, definitely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Her tone is a little bit defeated. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's just her tone. Her tone's just telling me a little bit more of, I'm not so sure we're getting out of this one. And that's when <laughs> Hammond suggests possibly starting to evacuate people through the gates. Uh-huh. And she's like, how? We, why? When? Where? Yeah, because she, she, her first thing is, we can't rightfully send this 
virus through to another place. And he's like, well, we send it, we go through to a place we know is uninhabited. She's like, okay, but we only have so much um, equipment to, you know, inoculate, you know, do the tetracycline or whatever. And even if we got through safely to the other side, we'd have a couple days before we'd run out. And then what? And he's like, well, that might give everyone enough time to solve it. Or it might not, and nothing's changed. And they won't have extra equipment. Exactly. They'll just be stuck there with nothing. And, and can still do work here. Exactly. And they'll have better resources uh-huh. here. She... Plus, also, then she throws out one last thing. Uh, we also don't know what the thing might do if we turn on the Stargate again. Yeah, because it, it acted like... Oh, yeah, I also actually have that specifically as a note. Also, it threw a fit the last time they opened the gate. What happens next time? Because uh-huh. <laughs> that's her last close. And then she... Despite her slightly defeated tone, she says, you know, I don't know if we'll beat this. She finishes this scene by being like, we won't let it take us without a fight. Yep. And Hammond agrees with her. And that's a great close to the scene. So we go back into the embarkation room and Sadler's still working on the pole. And Teal has not left Jack's side. And I love that. He's just, and he's even like mopping up his sweat. In yeah, that he's moment. being a it's, good buddy in this. He's so system. good. So the only like, they've always this... been like a good like leader and second mm-hmm. in command because obviously like Sam is like officially more second in command with the military hierarchy, but Teal has always been like you more made that point military. How it was more like him going daddy to daddy, you know, like putting yeah. us on mm-hmm. It's like that. That this episode, this episode is really great for it. The scene is really great for yeah. it. I'm emotionally disturbed, yeah. so I'm just watching this. And my little note here is just, oh my god, so much emotion. Uh, yeah, I'm not uncomfortable, but I'm, and, and again, it has nothing to do with it being men. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with the fact that it's emotion. Because <laughs> uh-huh. Eric was like, oh my guys, just guys. Like, it has nothing to do with that. If it was girls and guys, it doesn't matter who the fuck no. it is. It's yeah. emotion. No, I just, I'm. So I know it's a well done scene. I'm just uncomfortable the entire time. But there's a great moment where um, Jack is basically like, you know, you you could leave. You could. You don't have to hang out by my side. Right. Um. And Tilt goes, undomesticated equines could not remove me. It's beautiful. And then t- and Jack goes. It's wild horses, Teal. And then like he stops in the middle of his correction and looks at Teal and he goes, "That, that was a joke. You made a joke, joke. Teal." <laughs> Jack and the wall and broken part's gone. Yeah, the broken part's gone now. You're saying, bitch? Yeah. Is it extendo arms? Yeah. So they realize it is not gonna let them cut it down. No. Um, No chant. Yeah. So Sam and Daniel, meanwhile, are trying to decode the sphere, and uh, Boy Toy is in a bad way. Like he's he's right. He's about to fucking die. Yep. You can tell. And they do a good job with the makeup. Like, his skin looks like he's got, like, blood vessels underneath yeah. and everything. I know what CSI told me. It's called in the eyes, which is petechial hemorrhaging. Yeah. But I got nothing You see, on like, all shit. of these, like, little spots on his face where it's yeah. clear that, like, little veins have, like, burst under his skin. Like, he's hot. Yeah, he's isn't not... Isn't there, like, a disease, a fever that does that? Yeah. Where you drown your own blood from Uh-huh. It? Yeah. I don't remember what it is, and I don't want to look it up. <laughs> but, yeah. I think it's literally called hemorrhagic fever. 
Maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. There's, I mean, there's a couple of really awful diseases that'll do that. But Pretty damn sure it's called hemorrhagic fever. Yeah. I, I know I've heard of that one, so that's probably yeah. what it is. Um, but he basically asks if he can, like, see Sam. And Janet's like, look, she has to come up for a booster soon, so I'll send her over to you then. Yeah. And then Sam discovers that the staff weapon um, shoot, being shot at it is what helped speed up its growth in the first place right. because it was absorbing the power like she thought when it happened and she basically winds up and i love them calling the opera sealing the base operation wildfire wildfire is great for two call outs later on in the episode yep. one right here where she compares the spread of this virus to a wildfire to a wildfire and comes up with a solution to it by talking about how you get rid of fires. Yep. And I like that she's actually talking to the guy that made the assumption about it being a weapon earlier. Like they bring call out. Yeah, it's good. This you 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 put it perfectly earlier with internal continuity. Mm-hmm. This episode has excellent yeah. internal continuity. And they let him like redeem not even redeem himself because he was yeah, he made an assumption, but he's military. Like, he's gonna assume it's a weapon. But like, I don't know necessarily like, if that... I feel like that might be unfair to military. No, I'm I, not necessarily sure yeah, if that's true. I feel like everybody is want to assume. Yeah, but especially a <laughs> Just military not being sent to find weapons. I feel like out of any place SGC... Oh, it'd would, be much more prevalent yeah. in that situation. Yes, yeah. true. I'm not going to say the word again. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. The, the key phrase again. <laughs> Military industrial complex. There you go. There. Ding, ding, ding. You said it for me. Thank you. But... Well, your ding, ding, ding is Alex Ryder. I know, but you're going to have to do it. I feel... I was going to make a joke earlier that you need to do it for Artemis Fowl for me this week. I love that, like, the three young adult novels I mentioned in this podcast are Alex Ryder, Artemis Fowl, and Animorphs. Okay. I, I bring up Farscape enough that I can just do it on one. You can just you, do you it on Farscape. Yeah, because I've, I've escaped mentioning Alex Ryder for a couple episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anywho. So, I, I like that he's given a chance to, like, show that he does have some, you know, reasoning, like, she's talking it out with him, like, how do you stop a wildfire right. and cut off the oxygen? And, but I like that she compared it to a wildfire, and it's called Operation Wildfire to seal the base. I just realized it's, uh, later when you see Teal'c using a torch on it, a blowtorch on it, yeah, it's really cool because, I just realized, what's another way to combat fire? No, she even says it in the episode. But cutting with fire? Yeah. Oh, well, more or less. So basically, she I, I was saying that. I just think it's a subtle thing that they're fighting fire mm-hmm. with fire there literally. There we go, yeah. Later. I just think it's um, funny. So basically, she more or less says that. She doesn't say fighting fire with fire, but she explains why it's been helping sort of. But she basically runs in to Hammond to be like, okay, I have another option for how to possibly combat this. Right. And as she's running in, Teal'c is got a flamethrower on, like, the pipes in the walls around Jack, and he's just, like, flamethrowering all of the little infection points on the concrete wall. And she tells, um, she tells Hammond to cut off the oxygen to slow it down. And he's like, well, the fire is working. And she's like, it's only working because the fire from the the flamethrower is, is eating cons- up the oxygen. Consuming yeah. the oxygen. So she calls out why the fire is actually working. Correlation, not causation. Yeah. Because they'd been talking... The reason she has the idea in the first place is that they're talking about, with the infection, like the CO2 expansion. The CO2 in the base is uh, getting a little higher, but that the scrubbers are 
are dealing Still with it. Yeah. Um, and that's what ha- makes her have that little point of inspiration to think about it, like a wildfire and all that stuff, and to cut off its oxygen. So she uses the scrubbers they just talked about to yep. be like, hey, if we lower the oxygen output... By 8%. Yeah, by 8%. It'll still be safe for us to, like, be walking around in it, but it should slow it down some. And... In theory. I mean, it does. It slows it down yeah, by 90%. I just, I just wish... This show actually does a good job in this episode of calling it out. I wish it was more consistent across all media, where people would be like, allegedly and assumatively, assumptively, mm-hmm. assumatively, assumatively, no, assumptively, educated guess-wise yeah. Yeah, yeah. is this. But I wish, because like, it's really annoying in Star Trek how they always do, like, they say, like, oh, we're, we'll use this to do this, and then it turns out the back it backfires spectacularly, yeah. and it turns out the lady, the phasers actually feed it, you know, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Maybe if you didn't jump into every plan with the idea that it will work and not the idea that it may work. Well, I mean, she came at it from a scientist. No, 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 no. She yeah, did here. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying it's yeah. great here. Yep. Which was what she was trying to stop the yeah, stuff weapon exactly. from shooting it earlier. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so what actually triggers Hammond to say, yeah, we'll do, we'll try this method, is that the, while the um, virus has gotten through enough of the base mm-hmm. that it's triggered the wildfire auto self-destruct sequence, which is a three-hour yes. countdown, Yes. Um, but it's going to shut off at that point. Sam points out that if it self-destructs, the power output from that will be enough to spread the virus across the entire planet. <laughs> but they can't turn it off because the virus is already in the computers. They fucked. Yeah. So yeah. they're like, okay, now we're in a race against time. Try this. Let's see if this works. So they turn down the, the oxygen. I'm, I'm dying here. Yeah. So as she goes off to go implement a plan, she leaves that dude who's next to her, and she says, keep working. On the screen that just went fuzzy. And then he sits down in front of him and goes, yes, ma'am. And then she leaves, and that's the end of the scene. And all I wrote down here is, how? <laughs> Fucking how? Keep working on what? <laughs> Hoping to get... He's going to hack the virus. <laughs> yes. I just... I know it's a throwaway thing and they yeah. weren't thinking about it. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. But in an episode that's so well done, I'm just like... Maybe she was just wanting to give him how? something to keep him busy. Okay, but... So he doesn't panic over this. But what's he supposed to do? Try and get through. If he can somehow find some way around whatever... What's he gonna do? Control or delete it? (laughs) Here's the thing. They never get into how it being in the computer... Like, obviously, when they try to do the self-destruct thing, uh, to reverse the self-destruct thing, they can't get through because, again, it's into the computer. But they never say how much of that is, like... I'm talking from a literal sense with the fact that that computer screen was unreadable. I'm just saying that I definitely don't know enough about their computers and what was infecting it to know if there's any possible potential way he could have come up with something. There's always... What else is he going to do in that room? You might as well try and see if there's a way you can get around the virus somehow. I'm still standing for my, what's he going to do, control, delete it? <laughs> Again, that screen's unreadable. I have problems it's with that scene. It's an alien organism. I have problems with this scene. <laughs> I think this should be on a t-shirt for me. I have problems with this tiny thing. Yeah. No, not that phrase. That's no, that phrase. no, no, no. <laughs> um, so we cut inside the embarkation room, and everyone's just blaming themselves in this episode, because now Dude, Jack yeah. is blaming himself. <laughs> I wrote this as a, as an LOL, Jack determined to be fatalistic, Tilk like, nah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Jack blames himself, Tilk is like, dude, I agreed with you. <laughs> <laughs> He's determined to be like, no, this is not my fault, Tilk's like, just determined to be the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Tilk is, Eric, every time I get sick, for like on day two, 
or I've already done yeah. the piss and I feel like I'm gonna sick for days. And I'm like, no, I'm just gonna be sick forever and there's no end and this is all my fault. I shouldn't have touched that child and something and then it'll be great and he'll look at me and just be like, you had to touch the child, it was in the middle of the street and it was gonna get run over by a car or something like that, you know? Like, it's always, like, super reasonable, you know? Yeah. And it's always, like, and I just, like, I'm always, like, sick glaring at him from over the comforter, like, fuck you. <laughs> But yeah, it's like that kind of thing, yeah. where it's like, you're determined to be unhappy, but they're determined to be like, nope. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Till points out that certain risks are necessary yep. in order to fight the gold. And it's probably been at least an hour, uh, hour and a half, and Sam confirms that lowering the oxygen by 8% has slowed the growth by 90%. So it's definitely done something, but it's not making it retreat at all. It's just slowing it. And that's still not a solution. Right. It's just Especially because they can't faster. stop the auto-self-destruct. Right. So it's like, well, this ain't done shit. Not really. And she goes and talks to the boy toy, and he try he starts to almost kind of confess to her, and like stopped halfway through and like, how am I doing? <laughs> Love it. It's cute. It's nice. a good scene. It's adorable. And you can definitely tell that she's oh, okay. You poor baby. Yeah. So that fucking kills me. Is I, I need I do need to look into this more yeah. because I only do know it from a civilian aspect. But there is a I have ranted and raved about this a few times. Mm-hmm. I was screaming at my at my TV uh, yesterday, when, uh, two days ago, when Eric and I were watching DS9, because, I'm sorry, but does fucking HIPAA not exist anymore or something? Because it really, granted, in this episode, my exact note here actually does say, granted, she did not do a bad job here. No, she does a really good job because she doesn't actually any encouragement She does not all. give any information of her patient to Sam. However... She does still say things, for example, like, he's not doing well. Which is kind of the same equivalent as to, like, a station nurse, um, so station, uh, the desk nurse, giving out, oh, no, that patient left already, information. Mm -hmm. It's vague. Yeah. But it's still not appropriate. Granted, here's not a great example of it, but I'm still fired up from DS9, and I'm fired up from all the other times where this has happened. I need to look it up, because I'm not entirely sure how it works in a military construct. So it could be different there. But it fucking pisses me off every time a doctor goes up to somebody who is not the patient's family and then just starts spouting off casual medical facts as if this isn't private fucking information. HIPAA is a thing. Outside of, like, me, again, not having any real constructive knowledge of, of the military or whatever... In an emergency situation like no, no, no. this, I, I'm not talking about no, emergency. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking I, about like when like the commander has to ask, "Is this going to infect the whole station? Is this no, person going to die okay. from it or whatever?" But, but even I'm outside of that, casual. But in a military area like this, right. it could be different. in a shutdown, quarantine, emergency situation like this. Sam has more or less become second in command of this base at this point. Yeah. So any information about any improvements or the opposite that's right. happening I get with the threat. It's not that it's not go to her. Especially I understand it could the be a tech thing. Side of things. Yeah. I understand it could be a thing. Like for example, it makes more sense for her yeah. to tell Sam than Hammond. Yeah. Hammond yeah. didn't know the men's no, no, no. side of things. That's the problem. That's what I'm saying though, is like it kinda of would make sense and it could make sense from the other side of like just saying it's a military construct where Chain of Command overrides HIPAA or something. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not really saying it doesn't, it, the concept doesn't exist. Yeah. I would just say I need to look into yeah. it because I'm starting to get pretty fucking infuriated. <laughs> because again, 
Especially in this concept, because it was more just like he was um, wanting to, you know, you know, see her, mm -hmm. and she was taking pity on the dying kid and wanted to just kind of encourage him in his last, you know, bits. Here's the thing: even if Janet hadn't said she anything, she still was pretty casual. Sam with her. would have been able now, to tell I, by looking I, I at get this guy. That. And I was saying that that's the thing: is that's what should have happened. The doctor should never be casually just giving out health information to somebody, because that really wasn't even in like a scientific or authoritarian type manner. It was really authoritative, sorry. Authoritative type manner. It didn't seem like it anyway. I'm not saying I'm right. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to give my greatest song <laughs> here at the same time because I'm not like being like, no, this is fucking stupid. This is wrong. This whole I feel like it might be that, but there could be something else. I also that. think everyone thinks they're going to die in an hour, so who the fuck cares about him? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I care about, I want you to know, Mel, that I am not a medical professional and yet to my dying day, if I know any medical facts about you, I will not be casually fucking sharing them because I believe in fucking HIPAA. I also have a massive privacy complex, yeah. so we've already talked about this. So, yeah. But, yeah, that's just my thing. Yeah, I think the problem is that in that situation, even outside of the military itself, we don't know enough of his yeah. own uh, medical charts uh, situation, like who's authorized to know yeah. what and all that kind exactly. of stuff. We don't know enough of that background. I'm, and I'm you, pretty yeah, sure said, I know, but... <laughs> You don't know what his like medical chart is. I said I'm pretty sure, but I could be wrong. But, and again, like you said, she was also vague enough exactly. in what she said. I know exactly. Granted, she didn't do a bad job here. But there have been times where yeah. that seemed like an awful lot of casual mentioning of private medical information to people. And it's like... Bitch, this is like a lawyer just walking up to somebody and going, so yeah, Jay Walker. I will, okay. <laughs> Turns out he murdered some guy. I can't remember any of the ones that you're telling me about right now. I can't really think of any other ones. So I, this is why I'm if it was any of them involving SG-1, I would believe 100% that other members of SG-1 have... Signed off on something like that. So that each of them yeah. will have that's immediate not knowledge. Yeah, that's not unreasonable. And again, that could just be a literally a literal medical, um, sorry, military thing yeah. in place of chain of command, like necessitating mm -hmm. re revelation. I'm not even saying I'm upset with that on a moral level. I would just like to know. I need to look into it so yeah. I stop being so enraged. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always be enraged about something. Come on. Yes, but this could be something I could tick off the list. You know, my goal in life is just to like, you know, and it's like every time I bring down another rage tick. It's like another year I add on to my cardio expectations. <laughs> um, so we go to Daniel. He's still working on the translation. And while he's looking at the paper, out of his peripheral, uh, periphery, he catches um, on the messed up computers. He sees a, the outline, like the emboss of a symbol flashing on the screen a couple of times. And he notices it, and he's like, come here. And I love someone, that. I, come here. Yeah, come here. Anyone. Anyone. Get over here. here. I need to tell this to somebody. Do I feel that. It was, that, that scene felt very much like the Stargate movie. Yeah. Where Daniel just walked out, grabbed that man's newspaper, and left. Yep. It's very much academic with, with, uh, tunnel focus, just. I don't care who gets over here. Someone get over here. Yeah. Someone with working eyes. <laughs> right? Just, holy shit. Someone who hasn't been awake for over 24 hours. Right? And exactly. doesn't need glasses to see their hand. Exactly. Someone. <laughs> Someone. All right. So, um, Daniel realizes that the virus, whatever's in the, the orb, is trying to communicate with them. And he runs off to the, the observation room and points out that they all assumed it was an infection and didn't make any thoughts that it might be, like, a sentient or sapient right. 
organism. Thank you for making that distinction. Yeah. You made me so happy sentient. and sentient. And I was like, I know you, you're big on the sapient thing. That's the thing. Nobody ever says sapient in any media. They always say Even sentient. Even the Star Trek Next Gen episode that's all about establishing Data's sentience and sapience. To be, fair, to be fair, he was an AI, so I feel like sentience probably wasn't like that far out of there, because like, yeah. you had to establish that it's life, period, yeah, and yeah. a sentient life needs to be, like, that's why like they say you can't terraform a planet that has any life on it, it doesn't need to be sapient, it needs to be life. Yeah. You can't destroy life to create um, it, that's, yeah. that's the rule mm-hmm. in Star Trek. So with the Data episode, I'm not such a huge big yo bitch about it. But they're making a point about talking about the fact that he's not just a computer that's just property. Yeah. So I'm like, I feel like you should have made that establishing there where a deer is technically sentient. Mm-hmm. A sentient creature is something that feels fear, for example. Knows to, uh, knows to not go somewhere yeah. because that could be a bad place. It's able to make those connections. It's a sentient creature. We're a little bit better than that. Yeah, so what I, what I like about this explanation he's giving is I like the end of it where he says, we didn't bother trying to listen. Which, that's what I love. I feel his upset there. Do yeah. not get me wrong. I'm just also like, yeah. They to be have fair, the luxury this is an out-of-context yeah. type of life. We have never considered up till now that life would exactly. come in the form yeah. of a fucking virus like this. And I, but I also... It's, I'm exactly. on our side here, the, the people's no. side. Well, here's the thing. It makes sense coming from him because of the fact that earlier he was so upset about saying, I was yeah, wanting it to it be makes something sense. wonderful. Yeah. Character-wise, so it makes as, complete yeah. sense. So, so I'm as here soon for as it. he's like, we didn't bother to try and listen, he's like, I wanted it to be something like this. Yeah, yeah. And it was... But we were so scared that we didn't try digging into whatever it might be. We just tried to get rid of it. Exactly. So, which is not an unreasonable yeah. behavior, which I like this episode mirrors. Base. Yeah, but this episode mirrors it with this next coming yeah. few scenes oh, because yeah. it turns out that no one here is being unreasonable. So here's yeah. Oh, I love. Okay, I love the organism. This That's organism is like the perfect or. It like, is the perfect alien organism. Pragmatic yes. organism. I am. I love this one because it only makes educated, correct decisions. It doesn't do oh, anything spiteful. So yeah, it's not like no. it's not like a "you hurt me, I'm going to hurt mm-hmm. you" organism. Which is I the, love this organism. It's reasonable. It's intelligent. I hope down. I they, they never bring it up again. But I like to think that they kept some form of a communication I'd up love with those organisms. But of course they couldn't because that'd be a really advanced organism that could possibly help against the goal. I don't think it. it could. It has no body. <laughs> Yet it's exponentially growing. Give it a year. I don't think the kind of technology, quote unquote, that this it organism is. could come up with. Would be of any use to humans. I'm just saying the fact that they didn't They're bring it up so is probably why. <laughs> wildly different. Maybe from they humans. could have been. <laughs> they do mention how the power source in that thing was wildly beyond our tech. Yeah. So it could have been. But it also was uncontrollable. Right, but it could have been. No. <laughs> um, but no, so here's actually the scene that you brought up earlier where Sam's solution is basically to say, hey, Hammond, feed it more power. If you hurry up its evolution, maybe it'll get to the point where it can finally communicate with us. Yes. Maybe that's what it's been trying to do from the beginning. Yeah, critical mass, spreading. she said. I like yeah. that. Critical mass. Which was what the the um, exponential increasing number was yep. on the sphere. As it was written on the sphere. Yeah. Which I love, because it's, again, where Daniel's like, what does that number mean? I don't know! <laughs> Dude, okay, I'm just gonna say it here. I was, I was keeping a mental tally when to say it. I might as well yeah. say it here. 
not to di- I'm, I'm, I'm saying this now. Nothing is actually me saying. I'm not trying to say this species was wrong mm-hmm. and that they are the wrong party. Here. Yeah. However, they mentioned coming up soon that they keep mentioning over and over again as it was written on the sphere, as it was written on the sphere. And it's like, okay, but here's the thing. You knew you were on a cataclysmic planet, so you knew the people who came through most likely probably couldn't live there. Yeah. So it's not an unreasonable thing to bring it, especially since you said that your thing wouldn't be act- activated until it reaches atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I'm giving away some stuff, obviously, but yeah. the thing is that the whole point they're coming to is they say all of this stuff was told on the sphere that it would need to come through the atmosphere and that it would grow. But they mention this as if people would take the time to read that before they brought it through <laughs> and risk their planet. They gloss over the potential accident that could happen I there. I will say, um, I have two maybe points. They don't care. I have two points of defense for this. One, they make a point of the fact that they were running out of time and this was a quick solution. True. Like I said, they maybe just didn't yeah. care. And two, I get the feeling. Care. From this race, because we don't actually get a lot of details about true, this race. True, very, very true. I get the feeling from this race, this was a very isolated race. True. And it's, it's, a, very, it's a very not distinctly different yeah. type of species and not, organism. Um, that's not a leap. From any of the humans or the gold uh, colonized planets. Yeah. So their solution, what they came up with this orb... Probably wasn't in, at all harmful in their scope of mind. They don't understand that what they were doing could possibly harm no. other versions that, of No, life. I wasn't disagreeing with that. No, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, sorry. Um, what I mean is... That's the thing. I don't think it was I a just, warning. I think it was more of I an instruction. Think it was a no, 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 no. I didn't think it was instructions. No, I know. I'm just saying that it's kind of funny that they just expected the people to... I'm just, I'm just remarking mm-hmm. on this obvious character trait that seems to be part of the species, which yeah. is that they assumed people would read all of that instruction yeah. manual before. Not caring necessarily too much if they did or not, though. I can believe that they would assume. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Considering it's, it's funny. the end of their planet, I can believe yeah, that they no. would be a, a, a race yeah. that they would They seem very pragmatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems, they seem very AI-like. Oh, yeah. And AI would just be like, duh, you would read all the terms and conditions yeah. before accepting. So I get it. I'm just laughing at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> No, what I, what I like is that both sides kind of acknowledge that they've made a couple of assumptions. Mistakes. Yeah, they made, they made assumptions. assumptions. Everybody made assumptions. Yeah, exactly. That's why they're able to meet um, on the same ground, I But think. yeah, so <laughs> this is the scene earlier, though, where you were talking about in the continuity to the first quiet scene between Hammond and Sam, where Sam's like, okay, we need to give it more power. We need to finish... Letting it grow and reach the the critical mass. critical mass so that it can communicate. And he's like, well, how is it going to... Because Daniel even points out, he's like, I wouldn't know what it's going to be saying. Like, it, even if it gets to the point where it can talk to us, I don't know that I'm going to understand what they're saying. Because I didn't understand their language on their sphere either. The only reason we had any idea was because it was math and math is universal. Exactly. You know? And Sam realizes, she's like, no, that, what if it didn't accidentally spear Jack? What if it speared him on purpose to use him as the communication focal point? Yeah. To which, to which I do have to admit, I do kind of like that it's kind of actually shown in that first scene because you see it missed Teal'c. It's a narrow it did, miss. yeah. It went for him first, missed, and so went for the next I guy. I assume it started to go for him, and as it was reaching him, sensed that the larva would stop it from working. There we go, that too. Yeah, so it didn't and go so for it after didn't all. continue yeah, to go it veered for off. It, and it went for Jack instead. There you go. Perfect. But yeah, so and Hammond, at first he's like, "You just told me to, to slow its growth. Now you're telling me to speed it up. 
which is it? And she's like, I trust me, basically asks him to trust her, and basically says, I believe this is the way oh, we yeah. solve this. And on that note, so here's the thing, she's not being wrong here, yeah. and she is saying, for example, that one of the points of uh, evidence she uses is that when this thing went through Jack, oh, yeah, it, it didn't did. cause any trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing, I wrote my note here as, nope, sorry, that's Superman catching Lois Lane logic. Which is, her, her point is here that it that thing had to hit him with a lot of force. Yeah. And yet it did very little trauma. Therefore, it must have done it with control. Here's the thing. Granted, like with a needle, yeah. you do have to use quite a lot of force mm-hmm. to get it into like the heart. It has to be long. Yeah. It has to be done with a jab. Yeah, yeah. It still leaves a fuck ton of trauma. It's a needle through the chest, but it's a minor fold. Mm-hmm. This is not a needle. This is a motherfucking iron pole yeah. that went through his fucking scapula. Yeah. That's a shit ton of trauma. Yeah. It's not okay. an equivalent, I know, to Superman catching mm-hmm. Lois Lane. My problem there, of course, is always that she's going so fast, it doesn't matter that he catches her before she hits the ground. I will say, he still yeah, yeah, slowed absolutely. her velocity from a lot to zero in a very short period of time, so she's still dead. Kind she's of like just how dies in Spider-Man. Exactly. She's still fucking dead. It's not logic. Yeah. So here, no, I'm a little annoyed I by will, her saying that it had to be con- with control. Okay. But that doesn't actually... You generalized the term trauma here, where she purposely points out that it didn't cause any bleeding, which is what Janet no, initially know, said. No, She's like, it sh- no, you should be bleeding. I, I wasn't generalizing. My point was that... You generalized it, the term trauma. No, 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 no. no. I, I was not... I was, I was referring to additional things okay. that she said. Because she says the bleeding and trauma. She does mention the bleeding. She goes, there was very little bleeding... And there was no surrounding trauma. There was very little surrounding trauma. She does mention that. I don't remember her using the word trauma. Well, she does. She does. Okay. They, they do mention I'll trauma. I if you say that. I yeah. don't remember her saying it. But. Either way, it does not matter how much they tried not to. They still would have created trauma. Therefore, this logic of they didn't hurt him that bad doesn't really fly. But I still, on, point, on that point, though, I'm not, to be, I'm not to be bitchy about it, sorry, but um, they do mention trauma. And That's fine. Like I said, yeah. I just don't remember her saying that. Right. But with the trauma in mind, I don't care how much you are trying to control it. It's like when you cut cancer out of a body, there's still a shit ton of recovery involved there. It's still invasive surgery. That is still trauma to the body. So you don't just shrug off. I just, I have a problem with that being used as evidence on the basis of whoever wrote it. Not like her character okay. or anything. I just think that the logic behind maybe the writing I'm, of it didn't Maybe make I'm sense. not understanding the angle you're coming at this from, but you're suggesting that despite the fact that they showed an effort not to create additional trauma beyond what they could yeah. avoid, that... No, my problem, is not pro- my, my problem isn't with, isn't with the principle, uh-huh. it's with the line itself, because the line doesn't make sense, because the so person the doesn't understand. Yes. Okay. The person right. didn't write, yeah. That's happened before in this, yes. this show. I have a problem with where that, because like, the line doesn't make sense. The plot point is fine, yes. but the line... Or yeah. there was one instance where we're like, one more line would have perfected yeah. this. I'm fine with Superman saving Lois Lane, I just... That way he saved her is bullshit. Yeah. It's like when we're watching movies together, and I go, nope, sorry, dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the, pr- the principle of it, I just want to wish that they did, like, a shorter fall, mm-hmm. and then I did a series of falls. That would have fucking hurt, but it'd be more believable that they lived through it than them doing just a 50-foot drop well, onto their like spine. It's like watching um, the, the fourth Die Hard movie. Yeah. The part where the uh, freeway goes into yes. the slope and he slides. I'm like, yes. he's, he's friction burned to hell. Ow. <laughs> he's a hamburger by the end of that. <laughs> that too. But yeah, so that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, so it's not exactly the principle I have a problem with, 
the principle is sound, quote unquote, yeah. but inside of its logic, it's been set it up inside of. But that original logic doesn't actually make sense. Her point of dialogue could have been yes. constructed better. Yes, exactly. I will accept exactly. an answer. Yes. Here's the thing. They tried. And I will also say also sci-fi. that this show has a lot of, goes to a lot of effort to shoot far with doing interesting things with the medical aspect of things. Oh, yeah. And they they tend to get the basic details right, but well, they're also not a medical show. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. So... Medical shows get it wrong. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I'm so, aware. I'm despite, aware. Cor- despite telling us in their Wikipedia articles that they have on-site uh, experts on, like, <laughs> do they not know what a respirator is? <sighs> but yeah, so basically, Hammond decides to trust her instincts on this, and her, like, the, the supportive evidence they have at this point. But yeah, I mean, what else are we gonna do at this point? We haven't gotten through the computers. It's not actually stopping it from going anywhere. Like, nope. this is a last-ditch effort. So they, you know, give it some more power. And they shoot it, like, what, three times? And then Jack's head, like, slumps forward. Oh, no, before this happens, though, she actually goes up to Jack because she has to disconnect the um, IV that's giving him the antibiotics. And this is another really good, soft, quiet moment where he's, like, he's... He's alive and vaguely conscious. Vaguely aware. (laughs) But, like, not to where he can, like, respond or anything. So she's just, like, quietly talking to him, like, I know you can't really answer me right now, but I I think, I feel like you would agree with this decision. As she says that, he actually shows that he does by grabbing her hand and, like, loosely holding her hand, like, to give his support. Kind of, like, it it makes me think of when he was infected in the Broken Divide episode. Yeah. Where he found ways to still, like, give me more sedatives so that you can Uh figure out something with this Better me than them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, my hip keeps popping in. Um, But I like that she, like, holds his hand back and uses that position to take... The IV out of his wrist. Yeah. It's just they, she, they go from holding hands quietly for a moment to her in that same position, removing the IV. And then she goes back and tells Tilt to shoot it again. And shoots like three times. And then Jack falls forward. And they go check him and his heart stops. And then there there's a little bit of a pause. And then his head goes up. And here's where they shoot from a great, like eerie angle. Eerie is a good word for it, yes. And with this echoey voice under him, Jack slash the oh, organism God, says, so creepy. Good morning, campers. Uh, my note here That's exactly. the moment where I was like, SG-1 does a horror movie. SG-1 does a horror movie. Yeah. Good morning, campers has never been more terrifying. Yeah. Nor will and, it and that's why I was like, we have to go back to that scene where he comes back to brag about sleeping to say that that's what he said. Because the organism has that memory of him saying that today yep. and knows that that's a way it's to It's like break. the fact that I said to his credit earlier today, and now I just keep repeating it the rest of this fucking episode, mm-hmm. is that, yeah, you get like your repetitive familiarity that like, gets set into your brain like a cassette player. <laughs> exactly. And they, I like that they start talking to it through Jack. And I like that it immediately confirms that Jack is still here. I appreciate that, that it knew that, like, oh, you want to know? Yeah, he's still here. Mm-hmm. And they, the organism refers to itself as we. Yes. And they basically start explaining themselves. Um, the organism says that being returned home to their planet would have destroyed them. Uh, so couldn't have that happen. Yeah, and they have a very pragmatic uh, statement where they say, 
Um, we will multiply and destroy your world. As it was written on the sphere. Consume your world. Consume, Consume your yes. world. Because they don't, they're, they're not, they're not trying to be destructive. No, they're just, they said, hey, don't take us through because once we hit Atmo, I keep saying Atmo, once we hit atmosphere, we're gonna grow. Yeah. Then it acknowledges, it, it basically, and, and Hammond's like, you know, everyone's doing a really good job of like, Doing diplomacy. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's respecting each other the entire time through all these conversations. And Hammond's like taking the lead. Everyone's talking, but Hammond's obviously taking the lead because he's right. in charge of this place. And basically being like, look, uh, we want to figure out a way that both of us can yeah. get out so of this. So that we both might survive. Yeah, I, I wrote that down. So, but it, it acknowledges that Jack also wants to live, but it's basically like, hey, if we like release everything here, then what happens to us, you know? And Daniel, I love every time this show does this thing where they mention an upcoming trip through the gate, and then at the end of the episode, that gate trip winds up being useful. Yes. Because he basically says, oh yeah, this one gate planet... There's it's primordial. There's nothing there. Lots of oxygen. Yeah, there's lots of oxygen. There's nothing there. It's a perfect place for you, and you're not going to like destroy any other mm-hmm. life there when you if you go there. Yep, you're not gonna be uh, well. Yeah, there's not gonna be any um, usurping of uh, dominant life. Yeah, of of sapiens yeah. or anything. Yeah. And thing, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and he says it's a that's a perfect place to bring them to, and then the organism asks why they would even do this. And Hammond says, so that we both may survive. Like, because as There's no reason to harm you. Yeah, exactly. Don't hurt us. We won't harm you. We have no reason to. Why we would we? realize now that you weren't trying to hurt us on purpose. Yeah, exactly. You were trying to survive. Now that we can communicate with each other and be reasonable about this, there's no reason not to come up with a solution that will help both of us. Yeah, because on a principle, we are not destructive by nature. <laughs> I mean, we don't try to be. Yeah. Asterisk. <laughs> um, but we don't try to be. And as a result, we have no r- wish to hurt you just because. Yeah. So if we can toss you through and give you a home, and you're down with that... Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do this right mm-hmm. now. Plus, hey, that means you can leave our dude alone and not kill us, which is okay. a perk. <laughs> a wonderful perk. But basically, after he says that, um, Jack kind of slumps forward and stops communicating, and they have this quiet moment where they're like, shoot, did it not work? I love when they assume that this is going badly. I'm like, this seems like an obvious ascent, but all right. Not necessarily. It could be them just being like, oh, we're going to take our toys and ignore you. You know, it could be just like... (laughs) I guess. Yeah, sorry. That's just not how my brain goes down. I mean, they're not like gloom, doom is us that in immediate moment. No, they're just kind of like, well, like what do we do fuck now? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, so, to be to be fair, uh, Hammond does say, "God help us." Yeah, <laughs> like he seems a little bit like, "Well, we're fucked." Uh, so I mean, they could have said "sharp" before they powered down. They didn't. <laughs> I'm not saying the aliens didn't help us. No, yeah. Um. So they the everything shuts down. And then the computers start rebooting. Yay! And as soon as they announce that, he's like, start dialing through. <laughs> yeah, as soon as they're up, go. <laughs> uh, and then the sphere pulls out from Jack, and Jack is still, like, obviously oh, glowing. He's still controlled by it. Yeah. Um, on that, when they're talking to the organism, mm-hmm. I love the timing of one part of that scene. Oh, yeah? Where they're talking, and between the lines of dialogue, you hear, um, so Hammond says something. 
And then Jack says something, and right before Hammond speaks again, I think this is the order of it, um, the uh, auto-destruct goes. So it's human, and then auto-destruct in four minutes. And then the nice. organism responds. Oh, that's cool. So it's like this really subtle, I didn't that atmospheric part. I do have, I do have a thing. timing part written down here where they start dialing through. Uh, the sphere pulls out from Jack. He stands up, right. still obviously controlled by the organism, picks up the sphere, and starts to walk toward the gate. Uh, the gate opens right at 42 seconds to self-destruct. Nice. Uh, and I do appreciate that they do show, while all this is happening, while Jack's walking towards the gate with his sphere and everything, you see in the observation room, Hammond and Sam are both hunched Waiting. over their computers. They know Waiting. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. They are just like, <laughs> and my last note, Good. thank God they're both fast typers. Right? <laughs> my last note there's, now is not the time for a typo. No. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're both waiting, like, just poised over the button, just yes. fingers hovering. Mm-hmm. Ready. I'm ready. So, uh, Jack puts the spear through, the gate closes, Jack passes out in front of the gate. Yeah. Uh, I love that just, boom, just falls back yeah. and that's a ramp, so he's yeah. just falling straight. Ow! He didn't fall that? all the way Ow. down. He did just flop right in front of it. Oh, okay. It looks like he fell straight no. back, like, no, no. head back. He was okay. still on the ramp. Okay. It looked like he fell like no, I'm not talking like I off think the ramp. He went like sideways. Okay, yeah, I'm not talking like off the ramp. I'm just it meant look looked like he just fell like straight backwards yeah. down the ramp, which just head. That's just more than just falling to straight honest, to fl- flat. That's I'm pretty sure than he flat. crumpled. Okay. Because I feel okay, like his I'm knees down that. went That's first. Fine. That's fine. It just looked like he fell backwards from yeah. the angle of the camera to me. So I was like, oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, even if he did, um, we'll Ouch. find out. So after the gate closes. Um, Sam and Han immediately put in their codes and managed to stop self-destruct at exactly one second. <laughs> because of course they do. Yeah, of course. Um, Galaxy Quest was not wrong. But here's the point where I'm like, even if he did fall backwards, it's fine, I guess. Because when he sits back up and the team's all around him, which I love it. I love that this episode ends on, like, all of the team together on the ramp. He sits up and... He's healed. All of the trauma from the pole going through his shoulder is gone. Like, he even goes and, like, feels for it. Like, they never say anything, like, out loud, but they definitely show him, like, go, oh. <laughs> nice. My scapula doesn't have a giant hole in it. So Ooh. maybe when it left him, it also fixed his head when he fell backwards. I'm sure. But, um, but yeah, so it basically ends with the team all walking down the slope together. Like the Boy Scouts. <laughs> Leave only footsteps. But I, but, and, and it closes on where Sam basically says, like, oh, we were worried about you for a second there or whatever. And Jack ends it with wild horses, Captain. Yeah, it's so cheesy. It's good. No, I love it, but I, I don't deal well with it. <laughs> so my other response is, oh, I love geez. how often this show will close on the core team. Oh, yeah, that's great. Just, like, closing together. It's really, it's really good, man. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so, that is it for this episode. So, uh, I think actually, you know what? This is a death tally for Jack. Yeah, His heart stopped beating. If it had not been through alien, to be fair, the alien alien intervention is what was killing him. Yeah. But without said same intervention, he would have died. So So that's a Jack death right there. It's been a while since we had someone else. Yeah, so that's a Jack death. And how are how do we feel about this episode overall? Uh, no. <laughs> I feel great. I think it's great. Two thumbs up. 
Heck yeah. This Two was, thumbs up. This was honestly, it's so funny because, like, despite the fact that, again, we were both like, which episode is this when we saw the title? Uh-huh. It's, a, it's an episode that I've never forgotten. I will always remember the thing that speared Jack through his shoulder, you know? Oh yeah, man. So that was a thumbs up from both of us. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. Are you a Jack or a Daniel this Uh, week? I'm a Daniel. Same. I can't. <laughs> Just so the, much. Is it morning already? Can you ask him in for another 24 hours? Come on, I'm reading. <laughs> Daniel and I are both the howling cat when we want something like that. Just why? Why? Oh, wait, actually, you know what? Shoot. I'm really upset because I actually missed a very interesting note here at one point. Oh, what's the note? It's when it's when she comes up with the oxygen solution for the wild for the the organism. Um, she decides to go tell Hammond about the oxygen idea, and she starts to go there. And she starts to go down one hallway, and they tell her, "No, you can't go down this way. It's gotten through the steam pipes." So she goes to the elevator instead. And then my note was, "Sam." You know right. there's electricity issues. Right? Why would you go on an elevator? Right. No, it's, it's, you, what? That's, take the stairs in the case of an emergency. The only thing I can assume is that that was the only way to the stairs, yes, was through the hallway that she couldn't get like to. A very smart yeah, I know. But, I mean, they're in an underground base. How many other options are there that aren't elevators a lot of the time? I get, like, it's, it's not safe, but I feel like in all, in, in, in any location, this would be the location where it would be the hardest to avoid instances where you have to take an elevator, even in emergencies. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know how the place I won't disagree. But I did go, I Sam, agree. don't go into elevators in emergency situation. Uh-huh. And of course, it stops moving. Lucky her, it stops moving in a room that Daniel happens to be in. Oh yeah. I was like, wait, why is he in a room that has the elevator right in it? <laughs> The formation of that doesn't make any sense, but whatever, it's fine. He gets um, one of those break glass in case of emergency axes. Yes. And pries open the doors for her, and then she gets and does the oxygen thing. Yeah. But I just, I remember that being a distinct moment in the episode, and I was like, that was lucky. <laughs> that Daniel, the boy who doesn't go to sleep, happened to be in this room alone. But yeah, uh, so. That's a good note. No, I just made me think of that because of the, the Daniel thing. Um, <laughs> so, um, that's it for this week. Next week, it is, we're going to be uh, watching Family. The shitty Teenage Ryak episode. And Catherine Powers is back. I know. I know. Further unnecessary miniskirts, I bet, too. I don't know. Um, so, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not Liz, and Liz at It's Liz Not Mel, or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com, or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes, and if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris, and until next time. <laughs>